All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 4 of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium back on the mic today, and Michael Biebs Bondi D. Welcome back. Missed the goalies episode, as per usual, but <laughs> back in the saddle. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Sounds like I was fairly represented on the uh, on the goalie show. So, and we got your piece in. I tried to I tried to limit the Bob slander that you guys were were going to commit after seeing the uh, the pre show rankings. So, I don't know how successful I was in that though. We were we were nice to Bob. Um, he was my boss. I was it. here for him though. <laughs> I was here for him. D. Um, as someone who's keeping him in a in a league where I get to ten keepers, I had to step in for Bob a little bit. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, it was a good episode. I just like the way that Brock started this episode. He said, "As here, as always." And do you missed last episode? Yeah, yeah. so so true. Um, so true. As always, we're here. As always, you guys are here. We're doing good. We're uh, we're ready to slam out some wingers. Um, yeah, the right wingers. We already hit the left wingers up. Time for the right wingers. Um, just before we start today's show, uh, I'm just going to kind of go through some news and notes uh, because ooh. the NHL players hit the ice today. Training camp is officially underway, so there is. Uh, lots of news to talk about, so I'm just going to roll through some of this stuff pretty quickly. Uh, first and foremost, Ryan Ellis, unlikely to play during the 2022-23 season, also just might not ever play again, which is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. He has a has a hip issue. 
Uh, mm. It's just he's likely not going to play this year, and they really don't know if it's going to if he's going to be back on the ice. So um, not great. Obviously, uh, one of the you know better yeah. offensive defensemen there for for a good run, and obviously us being from Windsor, we have a little bit more appreciation for Ryan Ellis than probably most uh, hockey fans do. But then, speaking of Ryan Dean Ellis, and I did go to high school with him. For those <laughs> of you guys who forget, that trade just continues to be like the gift that just keeps on giving to nobody because Nolan Patrick also not expected to play during the 2022-23 season. They're calling it an upper body injury. He has obviously battled okay. migraine issues in the past, so mm-hmm. it could be related to that. Um, it's just, it's They it's came brutal. out today, I believe, and said it was concussions, right? I think I think they like I just saw out. upper body injury, oh, okay. but regardless, it's, you know, wish him the best. Obviously, it's it's tough to be a young player drafted second overall and to just run into the injury issues that he has. There um, was a time when I almost was brought to tears when Colorado didn't get him when they lost the the draft lottery um kale mccarr came around so. yeah that's all right worked um, out okay for you guys yes but um, all the best for nolan patrick and his melon some more um fantasy relevant information gabriel landis cog is expected to miss the uh start of the season with a lower body injury he's dealing from a lower body injury from last season um will not skate anytime soon according to jared bednar but he uh so it's kind of unclear how long he's expected to be sidelined jacob chikrin uh, also no time for him to return to the ice he's um, battling back from both off-season ankle and wrist surgery. Uh, had some bone spurs removed from his ankle. Jordan Greenway expected to miss the first five to ten games of the season. And also Nick Suzuki is expected to be sidelined for a couple of weeks. And if you give a shit, Andrew Ladd not expected to play this year. <laughs> um, and then also People just wondering. a couple other things to get to here. So obviously with it being the first day of training camp, we're starting to see some line combinations uh, floating around, some interesting, some not, uh, some that certainly aren't going to stick, some that might. So here are some of the, just the more interesting day one line combinations. We'll start alphabetically here in Calgary with Huberto, Lindholm, and Tyler Toffoli. Uh, Tyler Toffoli we'll get to quite a bit later today on this episode as a right winger. Uh, Carolina uh, had Svechnikov with Cockneyemi and Nechas, so it looks like Cockneyemi is going to be the second-line center in Carolina. The top line was Teravainen, Aho, and Seth Jarvis, who we'll also talk about later in the show. Um, looks like Max Domi is going to be Patrick Kane's center to start the season. It was Taylor Radish, Max Domi, and Patrick Kane on the top line. Scary. Uh, yeah. Colorado, again, Landis Cog not expected to play early on in the season. Uh, also, Nachushka was not on the ice, so this might mean something. This might mean nothing, but it started out with uh, Lekkanen, McKinnon, and Rantanen. The second line center was also Alex Newhook with Evan Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. That feels um, like it means something to me. Like, I, I, yeah. Lekkanen wouldn't yeah, have been just, a placeholder, right? So. We, yeah, we saw a lot of Nachushka with McKinnon, but I would imagine um, that the placeholder was likely on the second line. Yeah. So it's likely going to be Nachushkin, That's what um, I'm saying. Newhook, the, and. Yes, uh, Evan Rodriguez. If the plan was to put Nachushkin right back on there day two or whenever he's ready to skate, you would imagine. It, it'd yeah, be, it, yeah, exactly. It sucks because now we don't get to see the ultimate clampdown line of Nachushkin, Lekkinen, and either JT Goff or um, Newhook there. But I mean, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Um, and also, how big is that Evan Rodriguez signing now? Looks good. Clears out. Makes that top six actually uh, pretty does, solid. Does it? So. Nah. <laughs> I mean, still quite good. Yeah. I I think. Um, Lekkonen, obviously. Saw I, I wish this of, came out last week and we could have talked about him a little bit on the left wing show. But Yeah, he also saw a decent amount of power play one time during his time there uh, last like, towards the end of last year as well. So he's yeah. certainly an interesting late round pickup uh, skating yeah. with McKinnon and Rand to he's, open the season. Yeah. He's just an unknown commodity and someone who's been able to score double digit goals at a pretty consistent pace while, while playing, playing bottom yeah. six minutes. So 
yeah, like I said, it's, it's always exciting when, you know, these guys get that sort of opportunity for the first time, especially in a spot with, it's not just the top line role, but with next to McKinnon and Renton and, um, and also a team that's known to be pretty stagnant with their line combinations. Yep. So yeah. if it's something that works, like it's it, they stick. could be stick yeah. within it. So yeah, yeah. it's have, uh, uh exciting one to watch. And certainly if nothing changes between now and the end of training camp or by the time you're drafting fantasy hockey, certainly worth a, a late round flyer at this point. Yeah, we uh we actually have a, a team in in our keeper league that me and D play weaker weaker side team, but Lekkinen's one of his bottom end keepers. And he's been talking to me about which keeper to select, and I'm saying, you know that that's kind of do that. It's a it's Gotta a ten keeper league, but uh you know like you said, D, if it sticks, woo, not bad. And yeah. like it seems like Evan Rodriguez or Newhook would be the guy to get the bump out of the top six first once uh. Landis Cog gets back. Moving on here, the Blue Jackets are opening with Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, and Patrick Laine. The Edmonton Oilers going with Kane, McDavid, and Yamamoto on the top line. Hyman, Dreisaitl, Puglia, Yarvi on the second line. For the Florida Panthers, we've got Rudolph Spalsers, uh, Alexander Barkov, and Carter Verhage. Second line with Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, and Colin White. So, not great. No. Early on, not going to be seeing a lot. Of uh, of Kachuk and Barkov together. Reinhardt skated, right? Yeah, Reinhardt was on the third line. Dude, this is the same thing as last year. Reinhardt was on the third line with Lindell. Um, again, it's the first day of training camp. I wouldn't read too much into all these, yeah. but early on, it looks like they're trying to keep some familiarity together. Obviously, you got Verhege and Barkov. You got Kachuk and Bennett from their day with the Flames. They're going to and then Lindell them. and Reinhardt played together a bunch. So again, it's very early on. But LA uh, went with Adrian Kempe, Anze Kopitar, Kevin Fiala on the top line. The second line was still together. The Rangers had Kreider, Zabinichad, and Sammy Blay. Um, they had Panarin with Trocek and Vitelli Krapsoff. Lafreniere's best friend, Sammy yeah. Blay. Yeah, did yes. you see that, Brock? Yeah, I saw that. That, that was, was some of the funniest that was good. shit ever. Um, it's funny because now he's taking a spot on the top line, yeah. the spot that we thought he'd have. Again, first day of training camp. But as of right now, um, it looks like it's going to be uh, Philip Heidel, Capo Caco, and Lafreniere on the third line, which the, they call it the kid line for obvious reasons, and they were actually very, very good together. So, I mean, not breaking One them up. One of them has to break out eventually. Yeah, like not breaking them up makes a little bit of sense to keep them together because they were good together. Um, again, it's not all for fantasy hockey. They're just trying to win games. <laughs> so that's why the Friday might not start on the top line, or Kako for that matter. Uh, the Senators, as we expected, Alex Debrinkat, Tim Stutzel, and Claude Giroux. Uh, obviously, you've got Bathers and Kachuk um, and Josh Norris on the top line, but to bring out Stitzel and Giroux is, is, you know, a very, very good second line. Another line that we talked about, uh, most likely playing together is together in the first day of camp. Steven Stamkos with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. Love to see them loading up there. Great news for Stamkos. Great news for Point. Um, who can get, you can get a little bit later. Kucherov will get to, uh, in today's show. Great news for everybody. Uh, the Maple Leafs, very interesting line combinations. Really not sure what to make of them. The top line was Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, and Callie Yarncrock. Uh, huh? The second line was Adam Godet, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner. And then Willie Nylander was like on like the fourth line, basically. I can't stay. Um, so yeah, a lot, you see this a lot where it's like one guy just like they're trying to see how he fits in playing with good players in camp. I would imagine that we're not going to see a whole lot of Callie Yarncrock skating on the top line. But the interesting thing to me is Tavares with Marner. Um, obviously, the Bunting Matthews Marner line had a ton of success last year. Um, again, I'm not reading too much into Yonkrok. I'm not reading too much into Adam Godet. I'm not really too, reading too much into Nylander yeah. not being there. But Tavares Marner being together is very interesting. Obviously, that could hurt Matthews a little bit. Uh, but Matthews is probably good enough in his own right to still get his. But it could be mean big things for John Tavares if something like that sticks. Yeah, and maybe reading into it a little bit too much, but potentially Willie Nylander too, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously Nylander would be the one more than likely than Cali Yarncroft to actually replace Marner on, on the top line. Imagine so. We saw Tavares almost score, what was it, 48 goals his first season in Toronto Nylander's playing exclusively with Marner. 
Um, so I honestly think from a fantasy perspective, this could be kind of a best case scenario. Maybe Marner sees probably the biggest hit, but you still like his chances of getting the 90 points, playing with Tavares on a second line and playing on the power play. And then having said all this, I'd be surprised if they don't go back to Marner and Matthews at some point. Say no on the Leafs, it could be one period of that. Yeah, and then yeah. But yeah, if if that was to, to fold out that way, I think it's probably good news for everyone. But Marner, I wouldn't really be worried about Matthews, I think. Having Nylander there is more than enough. Yeah, um, keeping keeping keep an eye on Nylander is probably something worth monitoring. Yeah. Like obviously, if he's going to spend the whole season on the third line with Alex Turfoot, that's not great news. But I, d- I, doubt, I, don't, I doubt that's no. going to happen. It hasn't been something that no. they've done in the past. So again, it's the first day of training camp. We don't want to read. Too he's much played into on the it, third line in the past, but it's been a couple of seasons, yeah. and it would be still productive too. It would just be a huge uh, divergence from what Keith normally does, in that he has two of those guys together on each line, yeah. right? So I, I'd imagine it's going to shake out that way. So, yeah. And hopefully I, for Nylander, he ends up with Matthews because I, a lot of people would argue he shouldn't be played well enough to, to get that look that he never got last year. Yeah, I think Brock nailed it. You mean, you're just seeing what, what fits, what can maybe fit because you never yeah. know who's going to go Also, it was pretty much year. a bag skate for them today. So yeah. they yeah. really weren't doing any on-ice drills or anything. They were just we know skating. Nylander's not... Uh, not, not bag skate. <laughs> but again, Savars and Marner being together is certainly... Oh, yeah. That's juicy. Piques your interest to see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, In Vancouver, Kuzmenko, who we talked about in the left-wing episode, being a potential deep sleeper. Uh, In Vancouver, he skated with Elias Pettersson and Ilya Mikhaev today. Has the potential to be a very exciting line to watch. Uh, Phil Kessel, top line with Jack Eichel and Riley Smith. Where is Besser at? Sorry. Uh, Besser is on the top line with... um, JT Miller and Tanner Pearson, gotcha. line that we've seen together a lot in the past. Right. Phil Kessel on the top line with Jack Eichel and Riley Smith. The second line was Marsha, So Carlson, and Mark Stone. Um, and then in Winnipeg, you've got Kyle Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers all together, which is insane, and I love it. And then the second line was Cole Perfetti, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Blake Wheeler. Uh, one that I did forget oh, to nice include. nice for Perfetti. Yes. Fair, well, he was probably going to play in the top six. I but, mean, but now he's with two guys who are past first options. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The other one I forgot to include in the list, but I did think was interesting, was Palat was with Jack Hughes, not Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich was in the top line with Heischer and Bratt. It was Palat, Hughes, and Alexander Holtz, which Holtz, obviously, if he lands in that spot, could be huge. Um, but I, d- I don't like to get people too excited over young players that no. might not make the team. Did or Palat. Tatar was just like not out there, I don't think. I didn't yeah. see Tatar. I have Tatar plugged in there still on the site just for, for the time being to see how it shakes out over a couple days. Because like if somebody has a draft tonight and they, they're just like, oh my God, Holtz is playing with Hughes. Yeah. Like, I don't like to get people yeah, too ramped up and excited about stuff. Like That's why I don't usually make the line changes like right away. But some are interesting. Like I didn't really know what to do with the Leafs in particular. Like I just put Yarncroke there. And if it doesn't stick, obviously like I can just take him off. But I, I, didn't want pe- I don't want people freaking out about Holtz right away. Right. <laughs> but we can talk about him a little bit later in the show too. He is a right winger, and we'll get to that. For um, those of you uh, jumping the bit at Palat real quick, he never put up more than fifty-two points in Tampa. So just, uh, just, just leveling out, you know. With yeah, you, with you there, he's gonna be just he's gonna be a great role player. Um, it's just fantasy wise, you know. Don't uh, don't get super excited over that. Yeah, Palat has never been a guy he's I've, Palat, I've yeah. ever really absolutely been too excited. He always about. goes way higher than he should. Um, Not gonna be on the top power play unit. No, exactly. So just, uh, just wanted to say that. Just shit on the guy who looks like me. Jesus. Uh, all right, let's move on to our top 10 consensus right wingers. Uh, and then we'll have sleepers, bust breakouts, and talk about some rookies and guys that excel in banger leagues in the second half of the show. So let's get to the top 10 right wingers. And it starts at the top with Nikita Kucherov. We all have him ranked at number one. His ADP is currently 9.5, uh, which is actually the number two right winger off the board behind Miko Rantanen, who we have at two. 
uh, we all have Rantanen at two. So this, very- this blew all your guys' mind when you saw it, right? I, I sat there and I was like, wait, what? Like I had to triple check. I went to like, I reloaded the page three times to make sure like people are actually, I'm a Colorado fan and I'm not taking Rantanen ahead of Kucherov. Yeah, I just, I'm I not just sure. I think it's wild. I'm not sure that he quite has the same upside as um, Nikita Kucherov, but at the same time, you know, we've seen Kucherov not be healthy at all for two yeah. seasons now. So uh, I think all of a sudden Nikita Kucherov's, um, you know, comes with a little bit more risk than he had in the past. Uh, I, I would imagine that maybe, you know, some owners were burned by the fact that he played 47 games last year, uh, where Miko Rantanen, you know, not necessarily a, a model of health himself, misses a couple games here and there every year. But uh, for, you know, by and large, he's been pretty healthy. But uh, so far, he's topped out at 92 points, 36 goals, 56 assists. Uh, where Nikita Kucherov, we've obviously seen a 128-point season. Ooh. And despite only playing 47 games a season ago, he did put up 69 points, which nice. again, if you play the extrapolation game, that extrapolates to 120 points. So uh, when he is on the ice, I believe I mean, he was second only in points per game. To McDavid? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's, there's few players in the league that can put up totals quite like Nikita Kucherov. So uh, that's why he's number one for me. But again, it, it, they certainly aren't separated by too many spots in my rankings. Uh, do you, how, do you, how do you chime in here uh, with Kucherov over Ranton? Yeah, I think you nailed that. For me, it's always going to, I'm always going to prioritize uh, upside on the draft, especially at the top end of the draft. So, you know, there's obviously a little bit of injury risk there. I'm not sure there's much more there than there is with uh, any other player, to be yeah, honest, because it seems like what was ailing him obviously had a lot of time yeah. to, to come back and, and like recover from it. Or yeah, you feel good about it kind of being behind and based off everything we've heard so far throughout the off season um, and now coming into training camp. So yeah. And honestly he could play 10, 15 less games than Rantanen and, and still put up as many, if not more points mm-hmm. than him. So I like Rantanen a lot, obviously, but yeah, like, like you said, uh, Kucherov's just on another level. There's probably only, you know, two or three players in the league who have this, you know, the kind of upside that he does, if that, um, and Rantanen to me, isn't quite one of them. He's amazing in his own right. Oh, absolutely. but yeah, I'm going Kucherov before Rantanen every time. And it's not like Kucherov necessarily, um, you know, it was a bandaid before the last two years. The guy was pretty much model consistency before that. Um, no reason he can't get back to that. The other thing for me too is, and I'm going to slight my own team here. Um, Kucherov's playing with a hundred point man and someone who's actually done it before in Stamkos, uh, X 60 goal scorer. And Randon's playing with McKinnon, who still has yet to surpass that. Which, in fairness, McKinnon was well on his way last year. Still hasn't done it. I mean, I agree, Brock. I, I, like, I, I, I just think it's it. unfair if we're saying that you know, we love Kucherov. Yeah, well, that's he was part of the thing. knock on McKinnon, right? Absolutely, is that he yeah. tends to miss 10 to 15 games. It's just day. funny that we're and, like, oh, well, Kucherov well, was on pace for one game last year. hasn't done it multiple times, yeah. then, would, you know, then it would be different. I, I Personally, I think McKinnon's a better player than Stammer. It's just, you know, stats are stats, and this guy's this guy's just done it before. At the same time, you know, you get either, you're fine. But yeah, give, I, I give me you know. Cooch all day. Like if I'm in that, if I'm in that eight spot where Ranton is yeah, going, if you, were, if you were burned by Kucherov yeah. last year, and let's just you, say you'd just rather not. I, I I don't think it's the worst decision that that you could possibly make. But of the two, like ha, which one has been there with McDavid for in in previous years as actually considered for number one? Yeah, Nikita Kucherov. Ben Kucherov. Yeah. So 
to me, he's a top five talent still in fantasy. Uh, where Rantanen to me falls probably. I, I, like, I, I like I like getting Rantanen at like if I get twelve and like taking Rantanen at the turn there. Like I don't I don't know if I'll have a lot of Rantanen if he's going in the eight spot. Um, I I think a fun comparison here. Like obviously they're both they're different positions, but both on the wing. Would you rather have Rantanen or Caprice uh, off this year? I would say Ran, and just with the minute moving parts in Mini, I, I think he's just a little bit more reliable than, than Cap. Yeah, I agree, but I mean, you could you could this you could make a case either way, super easy. Um, um I'm gonna I, flop. I, I'm yeah. gonna say Cap. I, I have I have Kaprizov ahead of him too. I just think there's go more goals. There's more goal scoring upside with yeah. Kaprizov, but um, I, I guess mean, I, the left wing too is like a little. I don't know. The left wing, I think, right, is weaker right wing, than the right wing the right. feels weaker to me. But yeah. then, yeah, like, every time I say that, every time I look at the left wing, like, I find the, the right look. wing's kind of deeper, but it's like not as top, top heavy. heavy. No, yeah. it's definitely a toss up, though. Yeah, that's. I a, mean, they're going one spot a, away from each that other. That would be a tricky one. I think I would probably go Caprizov though. He's just a little bit more fun. I think. Yeah, yeah. they're right? both either way. It's a little bit more exciting. A lot of fun to watch. Like Caprizov, who knows? Maybe, maybe we've seen the best he has to offer over full eighty-two games. Maybe not. Right? He's played a year and a half, so. Plus, uh, I think a little bit on tap potential there. A little Marco still. Rossi action in Minnesota could be interesting. That's a yeah. That's a, that's Him and his a, best friend Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It will it'll be interesting because Fiala was obviously great for them last year. Uh, number three on the board is Matthew Kachuk. I have him at six. Biebs and D both have him at three. Uh, he actually comes in tied with Mitch Marner. Uh, who we all have at four. So averages out to be the same, but because we got a couple third place votes for Kachuk, we got him slotted in at number three, Mitch Marner at four. Uh, yeah, I think I talked about my hesitancy with Kachuk um, a lot on the left wing episode, how, you know, I'm a little bit nervous with Huberto, uh, you know, even, or sorry, not Huberto, with Gaudreau and with Kachuk. It's like, yeah, like if he plays with Barkov, great, but we already seen, like I had, I, w- I was hesitant to say he's going to instantly be with, with Barkov and we've already seen one day in a training camp he's with Sam Bennett and it makes me a little nervous um he's been outstanding though like there's really no you know nothing no no way around it here he has been very very good uh 42 goals 62 assists a season ago but other than that the numbers haven't been outstanding so to me I wasn't just ready to to proclaim that he is like a, a surefire 90 point player every year where I, I don't really have those same concerns with Mitch Marner. I mean, we even just talked about it. Mitch Marner goes from playing with Austin Matthews, but he gets to play with John Tavares still, right? If if Kachuk is not with Barkoff, he's with Sam Bennett. And I to me, I'd much rather have Marner. Obviously, the goal scoring upside isn't there, mm-hmm. but Marner you know, did score 30 last year, and he can more than make up with it in, with his assists. So uh, I like Marner a little bit better. I think he's a little safer. I'm a little hesitant with Kachuk this year, and I'll, I'll let other people take that gamble. And if it works out and it burns me, that's fine. He's still going early enough where I'm going to get great players there, but I'm just not taking Kachuk at 20 or whatever his ADP is. It is. Yeah, I honestly don't think his ADP is that bad with how thin the wing, wing yeah. positions are because there's just, I mean, you can count on one hand the number of wingers that have 100 point upside, and he definitely yeah, does. 40, 60 upside. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I certainly certainly think he could take a step back this year. I also think he could play another minute or two than what he played last year. He was still under 18 minutes of ice, so I think that could help offset a little bit. And obviously, he's going to be seeing a ton of power play time with Barkov and Ekblad, one of the best power plays in the league over the last few seasons now. So you feel good about him still having that elite power play production. Um, and yeah, I think when you just look at the other ones going here, for me, he's just got a little bit more top tier upside when you consider the fact that. He's a guy that could potentially give you 45 goals and 60 assists. So 
Yeah. Um, that's why I went with Kachuk because again, just a little bit of an unknown there. We could even see, he could even take a, another step further in terms of a shot volume. If he does get his, an extended run with Barkov, which obviously the early returns and the early signs of that have not been great. Um, but yeah, just because of the, the shot volume, the goal scoring production, and the fact that, like we said, we've seen 104 yeah. points from him. I just like his upside a little bit more than the other guys going around here. Uh, I think being the Leafs homer that I am, though, if I was sitting there looking between Marner and Kachuk, I'd, I'd probably go with Marner. Yeah, that's fair. In fairness, though, being the Leafs homer that you are, you're probably in a league full that of Leafs. He would be there. He'd probably no, go like he would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one thing uh, one thing about Kachuk is it's a lot easier to, to you know predict another 30-goal year when this guy's consistently pumping. He's, he's done it three times. Double-digit power play goals um, in the net. Shows clearly he knows where to be, knows where to put it home. He's got Barkov with him now. Obviously, you had Goudreau. You had Lindholm. You had a couple nice pieces before. But um, obviously, it's pretty much a guarantee at this point that he's going to get those double-digit power play goals. That helps a lot on your way to 40. Um, like you said, D, I think I'd probably go Marner, too, if I'm in this position. That's probably just because I watch more Leafs games, though. <laughs> um, and they're just on TV around here. But um, specifically, I went with Tuchuk. I sat there in my room for like 30 minutes looking at these two. But I went with <laughs> Tuchuk just for the, like you said, the goals, the shots. And the fact that he was under 18 last year, um, who new coach for him, whole new situation. Things could uh, things could go well or things could go bad. And I just I, I think this this guy's a total baller. Not to say Marner's not, but I think things are more likely to go well than there. Yeah, I'm not worried not. about the floor of any yeah, of these guys. Not, not right? at all. That's why they're in this conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Marner, like shot volume wise, was significantly better last year than he had been in years past. Um, so that's a. It's a good sign for him, yeah. at least. Like somebody, somebody, I feel like you can maybe count on to be a little bit better in that regard this year. Um, you know, maybe be able to maintain the. Uh, the, the I think he'll get goals thirty score. goals. Yeah, I, like eight point nine four shots per sixty, highest of his career. He had that ability. Two hundred twenty four shots total in seventy two games, ninety seven points. I just, I, I think the floor is a little bit safer uh, with Marner, obviously. But uh, I, to be honest with you, like I don't even have. Just hard to imagine him ever yeah. getting either one of these guys at banger leagues. Yeah, let's talk banger leagues to Chuck. Well, takes yeah, him right yeah. out of the yes. out of the water. And, and we so. would obviously talk about yeah, we'll talk about banger leagues a little bit later and about guys that, that excel in banger leagues at yeah. this position. And he's probably second in my rankings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe even pushing Cooch. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's incredible in in that type of league obviously where we focus more on not banger leagues but yeah if you're in a banger league then just forget everything that we said because uh he's, he's a man he's let me man. just look in my in my rankings um so right now he would be the number 20 skater if we turn it into banger leagues he would be my number 13 skater overall still so um yeah he's he's pretty good jump yeah. some good names there yeah, he's uh, he's ahead of some. Well, just some of the names that he would, you know, he's ahead of Stamkos, well, ahead of Rantanen, um, head of Panarin. Like that's pretty much yeah, only that's all we needed. Was the guy the who gets the bigger jump is his brother Brady. Right. Brady jumps to the number fifteen best skater because he's gonna have three hundred shots in three hundred hits. But yeah, um, yeah, he, ha- he jumps Rantanen just like we kind of predicted. Um, but yeah, my number three is actually. David Pasternak, who we have as consensus number five. I have Pasternak at three. You guys both have him at five. So we're all very close with Kachuk, Marner, and Pasternak. But for me, um, you know, best case scenario for uh, Kachuk last year was 40 goals, where that's just kind of what David Pasternak does. Uh, Pasternak scores 40 goals. When Marshawn's every, there. Every year. Forever. Um, so yeah. He's like, done it twice in his career. Yeah, twice. <laughs> every year. Okay, sorry. He also had 20 and 48 and 38 and 66. He scores 35 Never got in triple digits. I'll give you that. Shh. 
triple digit goals or points? triple digit points. <laughs> triple digit goals. He had ninety five so points in seventy games though. Like obviously the potential is there. <laughs> uh, the shot volume is is ridiculous. He had three hundred twelve shots in seventy two games last year. Uh, this year I think even more so. Like yeah, you can say that he's not. He doesn't have Marshawn at the start of the season, but we talked about it. Last episode with Taylor Hall as my sleeper. It's going to be Krejci, Hall, and Pasternak as their top scoring line. Um, Hall and Pasternak have tremendous chemistry. Um, uh, Krejci and Pasternak have tremendous chemistry. Hall and Krejci have tremendous chemistry. We haven't seen the three of them together yet, Take but I would imagine like five if you power play points though. If you all have, if you have all those guys, I mean, it's not like Marshawn died. He's going to be I back know. like still in a gone for half the year. Like it'll be, it's going to be fine. I'm not that worried about him. Like once Marshawn gets back, they're going to be firing on all cylinders. So, uh, yeah, to me, I just think the floor is a little bit safer. The upside is is clearly there. Um, he could still, he could easily have a 95 point season, just like Marner, just like Chuck, and and end up with more goals than both of them. So, I, I like Pashnak a lot. I think he's a very secure choice in this area uh, of the draft. And if we take a look at the overall ADPs for these guys as well, uh, he's going uh, quite a bit later. So um, to me, he's a very nice value. He represents a, a great value here. You've got Kachuk at 16.6, Marner at 18, and then Pasternak at four, at 24. So you could realistically uh, pick up Connor McDavid first overall and then come back with David Pasternak in the second round. It's me. He might have better a, value, but we're also tremendous. choosing the top. Winner. No, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, yeah, he's my number three overall, yeah. regardless of, of ADP. But I'm saying, if he's my number three, if I can get my number three right winger and get Connor McDavid to start the draft, pretty happy. Yeah, I just don't. I, he's awesome. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I was gonna say I love him too. I, I I just don't think overall he has quite as much upside as Marner, Kachuk, Rantanen, simply because of the assists. Right? Like he, he's really not gonna. It's hard to imagine him pushing 50, 60 assists like those other guys can and have before. Um, and honestly, like I would expect his assist numbers to drop playing on that line. Like there's not a lot of goals on that line. Yeah, Marshawn was. It's the goal. he's going to be the goal scorer, right? So yeah. uh, he'll be back. He will Hall himself yeah. not scoring a ton of goals. Um, even in you know even prime Taylor Hall is still a pass first guy. Obviously, Krejci's the same way. Yes, he's still going to play a lot of the power play, but yeah, I, I think he's going to top out around 40 assists. So that's my big knock on him. I don't think he outscores the other two enough to justify um, taking him above them. Obviously, you're probably not going to have to make that decision. But I mean, I'm just saying like in a vacuum, there's no way if Marner and Kachuk are there, I reach down and take Pasternak. But I certainly think he's a great value at where he's going. I think he's awesome. I think he, you know. I think he deserves that fist. He's probably like in the, you know, somewhere near the top five favorites to to win the Rock of Richard. He has a super outside chance, I would say, but it wouldn't blow your mind if, if it happened, right? And that's certainly super valuable. But I, I like I said, I, I think the realistic expectation for me, probably somewhere around uh, 40 to 45 goals and 40 assists, assuming he can, you know, play between, somewhere between 70 and 80 games. So He averaged over four shots per game last year. Yep. Would have been on pace for 355 shots over a full season. Yep. Which he hasn't completed in five years, but he, he probably he, would have scored forty five goals. Yeah, he. But that's what I'm saying. Like he has, he's, he's a good goal scorer. Good. He has, but those other guys are going to score thirty to thirty five and get you twenty more assists. So I'd rather that. But Pasternak, I think, like I think that there's a there's a real. You can't honestly tell me you think he's going to better his assist totals playing no, I, with I'm not, Hall. I'm not saying, but we just talked about how he's playing with two great playmakers. Well, could that help him score more goals? Because he's not, mm. is he going to shoot more now? Because nah. he's got those guys on. Like, why wouldn't he? Like, he, why could he not be the? You can only and, shoot the puck so shoot much. more than three hundred twelve <laughs> times. Yeah. Five, five shots a game. Like, he could. I think he has like a legitimate chance. Like again, you said outside chance to win the rocket, but he could legitimately score fifty goals. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Which if he scores so fifty goals, 
And then if he's shooting that much, his assist totals are going to drop off even more. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at Chris Kreider now. Down. <laughs> Chris Kreider was like the best left winger in fantasy hockey last year. <laughs> Depends on your format, I guess. Uh, we, we literally no, I think, like him. I said, I think Pasternak's great to me. Just doesn't quite have yeah. the upside as those I, other guys. But if you're a, playing, and we're talking like standard formats, right? If you're playing in, in a format that favors goals, like I said, and um, if it's a points league and you're getting double the points for goals, then yeah, I'd have Pasternak at number two probably behind, yeah. or three, because I guess Randon's probably still going to bang in around 40 to 45 himself. So yeah, he has more goal scoring upside than the other two, but to me, it's not enough to offset like the 20 to 25 more assists you can potentially get out of the other guys. We uh, We talked about how... I think it was you, Beebs, you mentioned that it's just a little bit top-heavy, yeah. the the right wing, because now there's a significant Yeah, that's off. it. He he does close that tier, which, I mean, that's like props to you, Pasternak. You're in that tier, which is fine. But yeah, like you said, we're now, now joining a new it, tier. It depends on your format, again, because like Kane in the right format. Yeah. It's just like... I, I, I all think things like, considered equal, like you might... Timu could yeah. be. I think regardless of, of format, I think there's just too many concerns Gosh, with... with Chicago with, so with, bad. Yeah, like there's just a little too many concerns here uh, with Kane to be like, yeah, like I would consider him in that same tier. And obviously, based on ADP, it, it's the same thing, right? That team Pasternak closes it out. It closes out. He's that still team. Patrick Kane, though. Hundred percent. He's a hundred percent Patrick <laughs> like, Kane. But off the top, I said that he's playing with Max Domi and Taylor Rash. Yeah, but I what mean, was he playing with the last couple of years when he wasn't with the Brinkat, which was a lot of the time? He, he was with the Brinkat, like almost. He was with Prime Taze. No. Like, if, he was with a lot at the brink. It was probably about half the time in, in the last couple of years, which is a lot. But I'm, yeah. but his numbers get significantly worse with got significantly worse without the brink at. Yeah, and then they he's not going to get a five v five, but he's yeah. going to have fifty power play points. Like no, but like thirty to forty, right? He's and he's such a hard one this year. Like if he gets dealt too, like yeah. he could get dealt before yeah. the season even starts, and he then all of a sudden he's in. the Seems top like five. he most likely will. Yeah. So in that sense, again, obviously that would help his upside, right? Because you're not going to trade for him to can't play get worse. Him. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I just think. I don't think you can totally write it off because this is a guy that just quite comfortably operates about 10 points above per game. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think even if, you know, obviously we're expecting some sort of drop off this year. Assist heavy, though. I do think it's 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 going to matter, but at the same time, you know, maybe they score 10 less goals as a team trading to bring Cataway, right? Like, I don't think it's going to end up being that significant of an impact on Kane's production. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I still think he's one of the best playmakers of all time, and he's going to create some very easy uh, conversions for his teammates. Max Domi just tapping it. Yeah. Was only just all, day, all day, Domi. No, I just worry because it's not just, uh, it's not just a brink out that's going out. Um, they also lost, was it Kubelik to your boys in Detroit? I think that's 22 goals. Drink has 41 goals. And then there was an, uh, there's a Kubelik third, had 15. Yeah. 15. Sorry. Strom was the 22 goal loss that they had, which it, I mean, that's not a ton, but you're still, we're taking out 70 goals. Yeah. One of his, we're really not adding in much with, don't One of the centers he played with the yeah. most, though. Like, now he's got Max Domi. Right. I just don't get why we're looking at the Brinkat. Like, yeah, he's going to go and score 40 goals still, no problem. But we're looking at Patrick Kane. Like, now, like, to me, the Brinkat was not the one driving that production. Well, I think the I think the one thing with the Brinkat that helps is the fact that he's landing with, like, Claude Giroux. Um, who's, it's not who's, Patrick who, Kane. No, he's not. Oh, I'm not saying he's Patrick Kane. But, like, I th- he's just obviously yeah. in a much I just, better... I think we got to kind of... Be a little bit more consistent. I mean, we're still leaving Kane at six. At if you're like, I, I agree. Kane, you'd be at ten. I, I agree. I agree. But I'm, like with this team, I'm just, you'd be at no. I'm just saying in a format where points are considered equal, yeah. like I would take Kane above Pasternak. Like, no, if that's you're not fair. But also, bonus. yeah, where points are equal, but also yeah. you're getting you're gonna get thirty goals. Like it, it's a matter of the goal assist thing for at this point where I think that's where Pasternak jumps. Definitely, up. and I have Pasternak above. Yeah, Kane just. I just brought. Brock was bringing up all things considered equal. He'd still take 
Pasternak or Kane would still be out of that tier. And that's all I was saying. I, I think yeah. that I he, still love, like, I still love Kane. Still I don't six. know if there's a, I don't know if there's a more scary but exciting yeah. draft pick than Patrick Kane this year. I mean, ADP 41.8. I mean, you can get him in the fourth round. So that's Patrick Kane still, like you're saying. Like, yeah. like I, and don't get me wrong. I love Patrick Kane, and I think he's going to be very good this year too. I just, it, there's just clearly some concern. Like, you'd be crazy to this not, he wouldn't so be going bad. 41st overall if, if there wasn't concerns. And I think that there is a, a, a there is an avenue for it to go fairly poorly, but like what is poorly for him? Still, it's going to be a point yeah, per game. That's all. Like he yeah. might get 75 points in 75 games. And honestly, like, he's probably going to score more goals because he, still could he does be. shoot a lot and he's probably going to have to do even more of that this year. He had 341 shots in 2019 and scored 44 goals. He had 287 shots in 2016 and scored 46 goals. Yeah. He could be better than he. he His shooting percentage last year is nine and eight. He's only dipped below right? so, eighty four points twice in the last seven years. Yeah. so that's like he the, the production's there. I know you guys aren't, aren't slandering no. him either. I just, I just like I said, like I, I still think uh, this yeah. year just yeah. because Marner has the team, I would consider him Marner if he, if they were on the same team. Yeah, I, I think he's getting not. drafted too low, honestly, especially when you look at that drop. And that was the whole point I was just trying to make is that I think he's closer to that top tier than his ADP justifies. Do you feel like the tier drops off now then? Number uh, yes. seven consensus I overall. Do. I do. Okay. Even though we all had him at seven. This is this is my boy, and I love to see that we are all in lockstep. I have finally convinced you guys this to come to the dark crazy, side. Though. 37.5 uh, is pretty high. On board, yeah, I was going to say, he was my boy in 2019. Just to tell you guys. And then he had a 49 oh and a 31 point Let season. me see if I can find it really quickly. Go for it. On the Daily Faceoff Instagram account the other day, uh, I can't remember, so forgive me if, if I don't mention who it was, but they... Uh, tweeted what the team uh, Europe would look like. Yes, if team it, was on the third line. Well, they tweeted out who, what the team Europe would look like. How many Swiss players we got on there? That's what I that, just exactly. give them a team. Exactly. Here's the Swiss players. Okay, here we go. Kevin Fiala, Timo Meyer on the top line with Leon Draisaitl. You got Nico Heischer on the third line. You've got Roman Yossi on the back end. Jonas Siegenthaler on the back end. JJ Moser on the back end. That is six. Swiss on Team Europe. <laughs> Our boys are representing. What does that tell you? It yeah. tells you they should have their own team, hundred percent, in the tournament. Team Omar obviously just absolutely exploded last year. Uh, early in training camp, it looks like it's going to be much of the same for Timo. He's going to be back with Tomas Hurdle, most likely Alexander Barabanov, which is who he was with last year when he went off for thirty-five goals, forty-one assists, seventy-six points in 77 games but what was the most impressive and what we literally has driven our love for Timo for five years is the shot volume 326 shots last year finally got over 300 but the reason he got over 300 is because he was finally utilized like the elite player that he is he was given 19 minutes a night which is a three minute jump from the year prior so the rest um, of the roster just sucked so they could afford to do it well it just like he's great he he should I mean he should but he deserved it for years yeah. And they just were reluctant to ever give him. It was similar to he's like there, he's the best player on that team. Yeah, yes. and it, by it a looked mile. like it last year, and yeah, everyone realized it, it, it. it was pretty similar, really, to uh, the same thing we saw from like Pavel Buchnevich last year. It was like in, in New York, they were always kind of giving him like 15, 16 minutes a night, and then he goes to St. Louis, and like, yeah, this guy's gonna play 18, 19 minutes a night, and he had a huge year playing right. with good players. That's what we thought we'd see from Nino Niederreiter, and just did not get. For they years. just he just they just, just never, never gave, gave him it the to minutes. Him. Yeah. And he's never going to get him. He's, yeah. he's, he's dead. <laughs> these guys are great, though. We love these guys because when they're playing, like you said, 16, 17 minutes a night, getting over 200 shots, it's uh, 
you know, it, 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 it's a nice little uh, uh, train to jump on and be like, hey, you know what? Give him two more minutes. It could be Dude, crazy. Dude, in his first full did. season, he had 210 shots and he averaged under 15 minutes a night. That's we were on him from the jump. We yeah, is this not kind of what we did with insane. Fiala? Like, that's kind of how we got to Fiala oh, yeah. years ago. The exact same thing. It was, yeah. uh, like, to me, yeah. this is like the most honest point-per-game performance that you could ever see. Like he deserves said, more. He shot it 326 times. He shot 10.7%, career average 10%. So you love to see it. You feel great about him getting back near you know 35 goals if he's shooting that much. Um, on a and, shooting percentage, just 10 Yeah, and if he's shooting a little bit hot, like with that kind of volume, like that's 40 even 50 goal yeah. potential if he, you know, randomly just decided to shoot 18% one year. It was it was like his um, first year. Oh, sorry. No, and I was just going to say on ice shooting percentage, 10.4%. So just, like I said, the most honest, hardworking point-per-game performance you could ever possibly imagine. It seems like this usage is here to stay. So that's why, to me, like, it's, it's a pretty steep drop-off from Kane to Timo Meyer, I would say. But I think he is the best of the rest. Cause I think this is his absolute floor. Like I think yeah. if he goes out there and he's playing 19 minutes a night, he's going to get you a point per game. And like I said, if he gets a little bit of puck luck or, you know, is a little bit fortunate with his shooting percentage, um, could be a massive, uh, massive player this season. So, yeah. and it's glaringly obvious that last year was the first year he became the number one shooting option on their power play. He actually doubled his power play goals just strict last year alone with 12. Um, he's now at 25 on his career. He's played six years in the NHL and he's been on the top power play for five of those years. So he was not really shooting before the year before only two power play goals the year before that too, as well. So just shows, you know, with extra time, extra shots, a little bit more confidence, become that number one shooting option that maybe Brent Burns or Carlson was before last year. Um, and yeah, good things are going to come. You love to see it. Definitely, uh, definitely great signs from our boy Timo. He played closer to uh, 19 and a half minutes a night from like the second half of the season on. So there's uh there's like literally a possibility that he plays 20 minutes. Like 21. I just love just how crazy. I, I love how I said like, there's a chance that like David Pashnak just has a crazy shot, shot shooting percentage year and scores 50. And you guys are like, nah, probably not. And then Timo, it's like, he could do it. I just don't we love said Pashnak could go 50. I said he could score 50. I don't love David Pashnak. What do you mean? I said he could win the rocket. Yeah, that's true. Like what are you kidding at? Outside chance. But uh, yeah, Timo, number seven, consensus. <laughs> an outside chance. <laughs> think he's a favorite? I think that we need to <laughs> chat a little bit. Yeah, he's got to score 65 to win exactly it. um just a fave <laughs> i think we need to chat a little bit about timo meyer like as much as we love him i think we need to chat a little bit about his 37.5 adp yeah that's but, way too high um like would you take him over alex to yes yes would you take him over jack eichel yes. yes would you take him over patrick kane obviously not no um, but he's going before kane right now but right around the same spot as Debrinkat and Jack Eichel. So it's going to be uh, tough be decisions. I, I I think I would take Timo Meyer over both of them as well. Um, but it's that's a that's a very interesting tier of players around the 40th pick. I mean, you're sitting there with Timo Meyer. I think it's a no-brain over Debrinkat and Eichel. Just because Eichel, because the straight center eligibility, and Debrinkat, just because... He's going to beat him in points. Yeah, and I, I don't know how many minutes the Brinkat is going to play. That, that top line is going to command a lot of minutes. Yeah, yeah and the, so we t- the third line can play a decent amount of minutes yeah. too. So I don't I don't really know. I want to see how that looks in Ottawa. I think there's, and like I said, he does. he's not playing with Patrick Kane. Like I love Stutzel and Giroux, but they're not Patrick Kane. No, no one is. Yeah. Um, realistically, the only person, Marner. Yeah, thing yeah right? Game. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah no. But you're literally going to be sitting there on draft day, and it's going to be like Eichel, Debrinkat, Jason Robertson, Timo Meyer, Give me Jason. John Carlson, UC Saros. Like that is gonna be such a like a that's an, right. an inner struggle to try to figure out where to go there because that's just so many big names. Like Timo is certainly near the top of the list for me, but like you know, like am I gonna 
am I, I would, I love UC Soros. Like, am I going to even end up yeah. having Timo Meyer on my teams this year? It's going to be difficult. It's going to depend on draft early go. ADP. I, you know, I, I loved drafting Timo in the, in the 10th round for the last five years because nobody cared about him and he'd go out there and he'd get 300 shots. Now he'd never, he put yeah. everybody on notice and now we got to reach for him and it's, it's sad days. For it's yeah. Podcast. It's probably a round earlier than I I would like to take him. So I probably won't end up with him in a ton of yeah. leagues, unfortunately, but that's the way she goes. We'll find the next team of Meyer this year. Yeah. When like you, if you dropped him back to 48, sorry, Beebs, but if you dropped him back to 48, like it's like him and Mark Stone, him and Elias Lindholm, Elias Pedersen, him and yeah. Jason Robertson. It seems a little bit, He's a no doubt yeah, there, right? So, point, but. so yeah, I don't think like I don't think it's a huge reach taking him there because like I said, we're talking about maybe ten picks back. Yeah. But there's probably a couple other players that I'd rather opt for there, specifically Kane. Yeah. Like, I think there's like a few few guys too, Kane aside, that I just love the team that they're on instead of San Jose. San Jose just scares the shit out of me. They're uh, they're not very good. They're not going to be good this year. That's also um, like his biggest strength though, because it's like you know he's locked in minutes, in the, the yeah, big minutes. Yeah. But yeah, obviously he could you know yeah. do with a Trust maybe a. Even just a better top top tier winger because like him and Hurdle, like I, I feel great about yeah. him playing with Hurdle for. Oh, Barabanov isn't Hurdle uh, is one of the most underrated players in the league. Yeah, Barabanov isn't doing it. I like Barabanov. I love him too. Maybe I don't want him on my top line with Hurdle. Maybe, but yeah, no, I, they're obviously not a very deep team, but there's enough pieces there if that they stay healthy that you feel good about it. Actually, like Burns on the power play with him, Hurdle, Couture. No, like, Burns is gone. Burns, Burns in Carolina. Carolina but, oh yeah, Carlson. sorry, Carlson. Yes, but like I was looking at the roster today, and, and honestly, like. They uh they don't look terrible like they don't look like they're not a team that's going to score a shitload of goals yeah but they look like a team that's like could be fairly competitive like they don't look in between the pipes James Reimer Reimer was great last year yeah. you want thirty four year old Reimer Kakinen's fine I uh, I think they'll be okay like they're obviously not going to be a playoff team but I think they're going to be no, they're yeah. going to be fairly tough to play against I, I you know I don't okay. I I told you I don't get why some goalies young goalies with like a nine oh five save percentage are, are treated like they're great the greatest thing, but, uh, and then you get guys like Capo Kakinen that are just given away for free. It yeah, doesn't all yeah. add up to me. Okay. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Sorry about that. I was so flushed by that. The, that uh, the goalie, lost my cool the there goalie recency bias is kind of crazy last year. Cause Kakinen was one, uh, your boys, Ilya Il- yeah. Samsonov. That's a guy who was like the future of Washington has one off year. And now he's the future of Toronto. Just a cast uh, off. Yeah. Um, okay. This might be the first time in DFO fantasy podcast history, but it's, he it, made it. It, it, it's amazing. We had back to back Swiss, players in the top 10 here back to back kevin, friends of the show kevin fiala comes in at eight i've got him at eight beebs has got him at eight dylan's got him at 10 uh fiala had again an outstanding year last year the best of his career and absolutely just patently absurd second half um got him to 33 goals 52 assists 85 points in 82 games 262 shots still played under 18 minutes per night uh 1739 so that's where Things really are looking up for me. You look at a guy like Adrian Kempe, who was tied to Anze Kopitar's hip last year. Kopitar averaged, or excuse me, uh, Kempe averaged 18.35 per night. Kempe went off for 35 goals, uh, 19 assists, 54 points. He had 247 shots. So between Kempe and Fiala, should be lots of rubber thrown towards the opposing goal this season. They should be playing a ton of minutes. Um, And Fiala really turned... uh, yeah. Matt Boldy into somebody like that was very, very relevant down the stretch last year. Very solid for fantasy. And obviously Boldy's very good, but I think Adrian Kempe's very good as well. And I think that's going to be a really good line. Like they, that like Kempe and Kopitar were really good last year. And like that, that third piece of that line was just a revolving door all season. Like Alex, I follow Dustin, the, the, you know, Trev. The, <laughs> like Trevor Moore, not really. He was kind of locked in the line, but like Dustin Brown, who was like, had one foot out the door. Um, so 
getting Fial up there, I think, is like going to be this is maybe the best winger that Kopitar's yeah. ever played with. Yeah. In, in his second half last year. Is that true? Yeah. Just trying to think. Like, I'm really trying to wrap my brain through the last, like, 15 about it, years. It's been but... Dustin Brown. It's been yeah, Dustin yeah. Brown and uh, then whoever. Yeah. Yeah, in the last, like, 42 Maybe, like, games, from his pure production standpoint. Did he play with Kovalchuk? It could be. Yeah, Kobe uh, had a couple of good yeah, years like with the, him. Yeah. Um, but Brown was, like, I, th- I think a really good winger. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a good, like, he was a good, like, winger to yes. have, but maybe not, like, goal scorer. Yeah, I think, but yeah, I think, but yeah just in terms of, like, how tough the line was to play against. I think Prime Brown is probably. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like talent wise, yeah, but like yeah, score or production yeah. wise, yeah, yeah production yeah. wise, probably. La- yeah, second half of last year, this guy was a freak. Like he was. Kovalchuk was terrible with scoring. That, by the way. So yeah, I just like, can like, give back. them that. <laughs> yeah, if he can yeah. give them anything like that, I mean, yeah, they, like like I mentioned, you know, last forty two games, one hundred and thirty four shots. You extrapolate that the way Brock likes to extrapolate things across eighty two games, two hundred sixty two shots. Put that next to Kopitar. Um, as you mentioned, that might be some of the most shot production he's ever got from that wing. Yeah. Um, again, extrapolation game. That's 41 goals and 103 points. I love that how spin. much I've just turned you guys into extrapolation masters. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. But uh, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, Fiala, it's, it, it, we saw that excitement. I was someone who got burned by him last year. I traded him for Cam Atkinson at one point during oh the year. Oh, my word. At one point during the year, Cam Atkinson was beating him in points and getting... Just as much time on ice, but um, you should revoke your mic for that. I'm I'm well aware. Uh, actually, I will say at the time it was brought up on the podcast and we it was debated, so that's uh, that's why it went down. But uh, yeah, that second half, 53 points in the last 42 games during prime fantasy playoff time. Um, I really don't think there was a player drafted outside the top 50 who was more valuable last year than Definitely Fiala. Not. Uh, so you know what? Good for him. He's getting his dues. He's eighth, and uh, and I think it's gonna be cool for Kopitar. Kopitar is another one. I was just massive say, sleeper because yeah. he's being taken as he always does, like, like one twenty. Yeah, yeah, way behind guys who are playing third line center. So um, keep not really. Going he's going ahead of Shifley. He's going ahead of Robert Thomas. Yeah, well, Shifley's our sleeper. You can't count him. No, but uh, I think Kopitar should be. I, I don't know if I would take him over Shifley and Hintz. I wouldn't. But like he's okay still. Like I think I would. Like oh, if he was great. going a little bit later, I think I would definitely want some Anze Kopitar. I don't think he's going late enough to where <laughs> I want him, but he's gonna be fine. What are you laughing at? I was just looking at their team shooting percentages last oh, year at 5v5 Minnesota versus LA. Because um, that, that's my only knock on Fiala is that I don't think he's going to get 50 assists playing in LA. Uh, I hope he scores more goals, but to me, he feels more like a no. 30. I, think, 30 I don't think guy. you're drafting him here either as like a 50 um, But yeah, no, that's why I had him at 10. But just for the record, the Wild had the second best 5v5 shooting percentage last year at 10.2%. Um, certainly helped Fiala get those 50 assists uh, with the likes of Kaprasov. I know he wasn't playing a ton with him at 5v5. Uh, Boldy shot a really nice percentage half the year. But yeah, a lot of those guys, even Zook converting at an above average rate. Uh, the Kings, Kopitar's line in particular, known for doing quite the opposite for a very long stretch, stretch of time. Of time. But Kopitar himself, never been a guy that converts at a very high clip. Um, and just getting to the, the punchline here, the Kings uh, finished 32nd in the NHL last year with a 7.1 uh, five v five shooting percentage. So you could look at that better. and say, "Hey, that's going to get better. That's going to improve." You could also look at that and say, "There's no real um, goal scorers on this team aside from Adrian Kempe, apparently." So, you- yeah, I think his assist totals are going to drop off pretty significantly by somewhere between ten to fifteen. So, I think he's I think- more of like a 70, 75 point guy, and that's why I got which I'm still fine with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, th- I still think that. yeah, it's like that's still good enough for me to be yeah. the tenth right winger on the board. But go ahead. I think um, the Kings on a shooting percentage was probably 
anchored a little bit by that second line that just dominated puck possession every single night. Like it's Philip to know. Yeah. I think Philip to know just drags down on ice shooting percentage. For there's every just, team he's ever there's just for. not really any goal scorers on this team though. Right? The only, the only thing that I would say um, to counterpoint that a little bit is like he got there as well with just a, not a very good start, right? Like, yeah. It was not he, had, good. he had 14 assists in his first 29 games. So he was like only on pace, like, on pace for 40 ish, like around 40. Good. It's not bad, but like he could, that was like, not great for him, right? Like, so I still think like he that would have been 40, a career high for him before yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, but, like but again, 40, a lot of that comes down to ice time. Forty obviously. still kind of feels like a decent floor for him. I think he's he, like you said, he's got that almost surefire 30-40 yeah. floor. It feels like, and then I think that there is upside. And it, obviously, a lot of this could be offset by a little bit more ice time. Um, but yeah, I just think in general, maybe he scores a little bit more as a result having a better playmaker in there with um, Kopitar and him probably going to need to be the leading goal scorer on this team. But, I think it's going to be... So a very, obviously, I'm still high on him, but that's why I had him just a little bit lower than his ADP and, and where you guys are at on him. I think it's going to be a very good line. I think, like, I really like them. But I think the other thing, too, is that when you look at, like, the names we're about to mention below him, he just feels a lot safer and maybe a little bit higher ceiling than some of these guys, too. Like, there's some safer picks behind him, probably. I um, there's some, there's some slight disagree on, on one that I had up at number eight. but Yes, well, and we'll get to him in a second. But number nine but yeah, is... I think for the most part, you're, you're probably spot on. Yeah, it's just not a whole not a whole lot of safe picks or high upside picks yeah. behind him. But uh, number nine for us is Vladimir Tarasenko. I had him at ten. You guys both had him at nine. Tarasenko enjoyed a resurgent season uh, last year. He was very very good. He had thirty four goals, forty eight assists, eighty two points in seventy five games. Uh, it, it was it was basically everything that. I had been hoping for for a long time. Uh, I always kind of had him and Philip Forsberg are guys that I always had just been like, hey, now is the year that they're going to have like 80 points. And it just never happened. Every year he'd just come out and go 33-33 every year. For he just like, needed to not be protected. And then he got really pissed. Yeah. And then- it's crazy that he did it because he literally was playing like less ice time than he's like ever played. And he just went off. Uh, but there are red flags here. We talked about how the Blues just, the honest shooting percentage for the entire top six was outrageous last year. Like they were like, I think six of the top 10 players in the NHL or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, they, they led the, they were the only team with a better 5v5 shooting percentage in the wild. wild. Yeah. Uh, 14.8% for Tarasenko. I think like it's pretty safe to say that these numbers are going to decline. The fact that he is only playing under he's playing under seventeen minutes a night is concerning. Like I don't know, it's not how many players under seventeen minutes are going to like I think come it into coming. It, it certainly could come back, um, but they just seem like a team that really likes to kind of balance out their minutes. And then obviously Ryan O'Reilly's line, you yeah. know, does a lot of the defensive uh, heavy lifting, and they just play a ton. So I think there is certainly room for it to come back like under 17 seems outrageous for somebody like Tarasenko but but at 30 years old like you're not gonna start you know just eating way more ice than no I think he can go back to 19 tw- minutes yeah. though which is a pretty big upgrade over where he was at last year right I just think it could help offset again some yeah of this what's what happened progression he's got coming but yeah that's why we have him this low right we don't expect him to be operating comfortably above a point per game like he did last year but you feel we feel really good about a guy that again was literally getting thrown in at the end of drafts last year yeah, coming off two years of pretty brutal injury um and yeah so you feel really good about him at least staying around those normal Tarasenko levels right like 35 goals yeah, 40 had, assists somewhere yeah. in there he had 33 40, and 33 for five straight seasons yeah. before those crazy injuries so yeah and the yeah. obviously I mean you see this but this type of goal scoring um it's not easy to find at this point in the draft so uh and I think that's why I had Fiala just a little bit ahead of him I just personally feel like Fiala you know could reach that 40 a little bit easier than Tarasenko but like you said if we're talking safe picks you know you're probably 30 30 i would put 
every dollar I have in the bank on, on Tarasenko. If he's playing 82 games to get that. Um, and 30-30 goes quite far when only limited maybe 30 players in the league can reach 30 goals in the year. So yeah, um, I'm just going to keep saying 30 until stuff starts clicking. Would you guys rather have Vlad or Vander Kane? Like to me, I'd rather have Vander. Oh, I would personally rather have a Vander, but you could make it like they're different positions. Vlad would be but... safer, I guess, but a Vander would I'd take just because I like that upside and those goals. I, I don't know. What would you do? Stuff. Because um, you were kind of against me a little bit last week and saying how high I had a Vander just because he's so tied to McDavid. Right. But, I mean, that can work both ways. Obviously, yeah, that's where it's, it's a so tremendous hard. positive. But obviously, if yes. you get up, bumped off that line and find yourself with Ryan McLeod, it's a totally different story. But yeah, I I think that. Kane probably outproduces him, but I think I would take Tarasenko because yeah. that's assuming Kane plays on McDavid's line the whole time. But again, like we said with Kane, he can end up a dry settle and, and be fine, right? Yeah. But I, I still think like we've got to kind of be realistic about the fact that Kane's 31 and he's never scored more than 30 goals. Yeah, and uh, right now he's going 11 spots after uh, Tarasenko. All right, let's close out this top 10 and we'll get to the Blue Stones. William Nylander comes in at number 10. I have him at 12. Biebs has got him at 11. D's got him at eight. I wonder why. No, just kidding. Um, He's got 80 points playing 18 minutes tonight. I mean, it's not that much crazier yeah, than what we've been like talking the other about. Guys. Yeah. Um, but again, a guy that could potentially move up to the top line with Matthews. Um, I think his goal scoring is a little bit more reliable than Fiala's, whether or not you can certainly debate that. But I, I think, you know, he's comfortably um, producing above um that 30 to, to 40 point pace for the last couple of seasons when he's been in that role. So I, yeah, I just feel good about him kind of, uh, if not being at that point per game, I think he's the most likely guy to kind of push above that level this season after um, any of those guys that we talked about in the top six or potentially Timo Meyer. Like we said, he doesn't, Timo doesn't need a lot of puck luck to kind of get to that level this year. So I just think there's a little bit room to grow here. Um, and I think there's a pretty solid floor with him being firmly rooted in that top six of the Leafs. Having said that, he was skating on the fourth line today. So Yeah. I, I think that Nylander uh, would have certainly been higher in my rankings had it not been. He was just basically a victim of being behind like four players that I just absolutely love. It was just a little bit of bias, I think, coming for me. I mean, over the years, the amount I've talked about Timo Meyer, Kevin Fiala, Nick Ehlers, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, it could be a podcast in itself. So um, those names just made it above him because I love them. That's yeah. like I, well, I, 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 I won't even bag. I won't even hide it. You can put them all in a bag and justify it whatever way you want. Realistically, yeah. I mean they've all they all kind of took a step forward last year. They're all 35, 45 guys. It's looking like. Um, so you know if it, it, if you like Nylander, you think what he's around is better. He could be there. Um, yeah, I mean there's a case. And I, yeah, I just think he could yeah. be a 90-point guy if he ended up playing even just half the season with Matthews. And again, his ice time could grow a little bit like these other guys we're talking about. Um, and I just think, you know, the 80-point performance he showed last year, I, I think it was legit. I think it, you can safely bet on getting back to that this year. Um, and yeah, I like his odds at finishing above a point per game. Like I said, just a little bit more than Tarasenko or Fiala. If uh, if me and you are in a league together with back-to-back picks, it'll be easy. I'll just take PL, you take yeah. me later, and we'll be on our way. Yeah, easy pick. Exactly. Uh, just to go through our remaining top 15 here, uh, Nick Ehlers came in at 11. I had him at 9. D at 11. Biebs at 14. Patrick Laine was 12. I had him at 11. Biebs at 10. D at 13. Sam Reinhart at 13. I had him at 15. These two gentlemen had him at 12. 
Then we had Drake Batherson uh, at 14, Pavel Buchnevich at 15. So that is our top 15 uh, consensus right wingers. We will fire you over to Blue Stones for now, but we will be back and we will be talking about breakouts, sleepers, busts, rookies, guys that excel in banger leagues. And then you can listen to Blue Stones again. Right See you guys back here in 60 seconds. Right Wing's got 15 guys going in the top 90. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I down. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground. Black holes, solid ground. A thousand voices set them free. Because this silence is killing me. I feel alive beneath the rubble. A wretched soul in a sea of trouble. I'm not alone, I'm not alone. Stop the fire. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 4 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed those sweet riffs from the Blue Stones. Check them out. Wherever you're listening to music, you'll find the Blue Stones. Uh, and they'll make your day just a little bit better. We're going to get right into the second half of the show. I'm going to get into our sleeper, bus, and breakout. Uh, we're going to start with the sleepers, get it off on a positive note before we dig into the bus, talk about the guys that you just want to avoid this season, uh, or at least avoid them around their ADP. 
uh, before we talk about some guys that can push their games to new heights this year, some breakout right wingers. So, Beebs, why don't you get us started? Tell me who you're looking to draft towards the end of the draft. Who are people sleeping on on the right wing position this year? People are being Snorlaxes, absolutely snoozing on Troy Terry for me. Uh, This is a guy at one point, need I remind you, (laughs) last year's Heart Trophy candidate? Heart Trophy candidate. Yeah, 30 games in. Troy Terry. He was the MVP of October. He was the MVP of October. Maybe even the MVP of November. Do you think we mention that too often? Nah, not <laughs> enough. Because I think it never needs to... Every time his name comes up, it's like Ryan Ellis. We went to high school with him. Troy Terry was mentioned once as a heart candidate. Mm-hmm. They go one and the same. Currently going 143.5 in drafts. That's very close to the end of a lot of leagues. Um we're so, like, about- only two MVPs are going after 140, Troy Terry and Taylor Hall? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's Those are the only two you're going to find. Um, but not only is, was this guy a, uh, you know, he's not like Taylor Hall where he's just patting those stats with apples. We got a goal scorer here in Troy. Um, 37 goals and 30 assists in 75 games played last year. That was good for 20th in the league in goals. Um, as we mentioned, incredibly, incredibly hot First half, 22 of those goals came in the first 37 games of the year. Um, I mean, if we extrapolate that, I don't want to, but that is 48 goals in a whole 82-game season. At no point do I expect Troy to do anything like that. He is a guy who shot under 200 shots last year. I like that because that shows that there's potential for him to, you know, get over 200, a couple more minutes. Um, Last year, only playing 18-14 per night. We're talking about guys like uh, Tarasenko jumping their game up a few minutes. This is a guy, Timu Meyer. Uh, this is a guy who I would almost go like he's Timu Meyer light minus the shooting in the sense that there's nothing around him to take his spot. The right wingers behind him that are there are they're not taking trades. It's Frank for Toronto, I believe, and then uh, I think we have two PTO signings. Silverberg's still there. Gone. Yeah, Sonny Milano's gone. Um, but yeah, uh, Troy Terry should be locked in on the first line. Should be locked in on the top power play. I just really like guys at the end of drafts that are on the top power play. And if it's someone who just Dropped 37 goals for me. Even if he gives me 25 and 35 next year, he gives me 30 and 30. I'm okay with him at 143. Uh, for me, it's just, it's really tough, you know, when you hear someone who's an MVP candidate getting slept on. It's really hard. So my concern with this guy is that, yeah, he was ridiculous. Teams going to get better around him. Can't he be. was ridiculous in the first half. He shot 25.3%, which is insane. <laughs> um and then he shot just 12.9% in the second half. He still scored 12 goals in 32 games. Fine. Um, but if he shoots, like, I would imagine 12.9% is probably a little bit closer to what we can yeah. expect. He shoots. As opposed to 25%. Shoots so, 14 and a half in his career. So he's not like. Yeah, a little bit inflated by 19% yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if he shoots 12% like he did last year at the same shot volume over a full season, he's going to be around 26 goals. I'll take that at That's, 144. I mean, that, we were saying 12% was during his, his badge. Yeah, no, I, I think you're going to get down the middle too, so you'll get I think that. that's just like actually just like it just leveling out yeah. a little. <laughs> but like obviously if he plays a whole year of Zegers, like if Zegers yeah. gets a Zegers little better, like things could happen. I just think like I think he's going to end with a year closer to 30 than 40, which is where he was last year, 37 goals. So, yeah. Um, But some yeah, of the guys I, taken around there, it's like you're looking at guys who are, are, are not even sniffing power play time. You're looking at guys who aren't even sniffing 30 goals. If you can do someone who's doing both, I'd much rather that than... I would rather have Lucas Raymond, Brock Besser... Yeah, you're dropping... David Perron. You just dropped someone else's sleeper. Obviously, I'd rather have someone else's sleeper. I just didn't choose that sleeper. 
Right. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But like they're all so going. I can take any go- of your sleepers and find. Couple they're all going at the same sleep. They're all going but at look the same at, spot. No, but look at the other names that you look at that you'd want him over. That's it's not about the names that you'd have behind him. Travis Konechny. I'd hundred percent rather have Troy Terry than Travis Konechny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. T.J. Oshie. Yeah. Yes. Million percent. It's a couple. I no, I, I think he's actually good value at where he's going, yeah. and I, I agree with Beebs. And there's certainly some upside here. That's the thing, and it's essentially zero risk with where he's going. And the big thing is that he could play the wing for you, and you're just not going to find guys with you know 35 goal upside, which he does have, even if he needs to shoot 90 percent to get there. But Zegras is the big thing, right? This guy, if he's going to be playing 82 games with Zegras, this yep. is a kid we all expect to take a step forward. He looks like an unbelievable playmaker. He generated a ton of chances for his line mates last year and he had 38 assists. So yeah, that, I think that is the biggest thing that could help offset uh, Troy Terry's production. Cause I think it could result in more shots like, like Beeps was saying. So he's going to need to shoot more. Um, but I, I think he can stay uh, fantasy relevant enough uh, without it. And um, yeah, if Zegris and that line in general takes a step forward, then I think he can return some really nice value on that spot. The other thing was that, uh that worked in Z- or in uh, well Zegers's favor too, but they were really really good at the start of the year because Adam Henrique was healthy, yeah. And then when Henrique got hurt, um, that line kind of took a little bit of a dip. So with Henrique back to full health, if they're all back together, you'd imagine that they would be um, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam Bennett's going at the same spot, and would like you rather come on Sam Bennett or Troy Terry? If he's playing with Mac and Chuck, you never know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but on, yeah. I just yeah, yeah. I just typed in Zegers on. Tweet tweeter uh, for a moment, and somebody just chirped NHL twenty three because top ten in Deakin Zegers just is not in the top ten. Come on, well, and they're they just probably like, put him top ten in every other. Stat, they're like, how so. can you even? How can you even justify? Did you see Jack Hughes? Oh, you guys sent that one. Yeah. The Jack Hughes one. I'm not even playing that game this year. That's terrible. Number one in Deakin. Who do you guys think? Um, Kudrow. 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 Okay. Interesting. Um, all right. Okay. It might. It could be like game mechanics yeah. stuff, like necessary to make yeah, him like as good of a puck handler on the back end. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. thinking. No, 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 that's no. what I'm thinking. This is now a video game podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, D, who's your sleeper this year? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who is your sleeper this yeah. year? Yeah. Of course. Is it someone who Brock labeled as someone who would take behind my sleeper. Of course. Uh, it is. is the man formerly known as the oh. captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Oof. Yeah, that was tough, eh? Because uh, like, I don't need to see on my chest, but. Yeah, that was tough. I love, oh, Dra- like, Drager is only reporting what people are saying to him, but it was so funny of him coming out and saying, this isn't an indictment on Blake Wheeler. If you're taking the C yes. off a guy. After that many years. Like, I don't know. And saying that you're not happy with the leadership group, like, I don't know who else that's an indictment of. And, Feels like an indictment. Uh, <laughs> Quite a bit. I thought Wheeler's response was great, though. They Like he said, he, he, said he they had given him the news about a week before it broke to the media, so he was kind of prepared and had time to digested but yeah it was a super mature um response and obviously he, he said he was surprised and it was the first conversation he had with the new coach which um probably getting out on the is right an foot. ideal yeah getting right? out on the right it's foot. i i i'm sure he feels a little bit hard done by because it's like yeah how can you say you're not happy with the leadership group when you've never even seen me interact with the team but it is what it is Nice that, to meet you. You're not a leader. Exactly. <laughs> so now that we're past that, uh, let's talk about what he did last year. He had a very productive year despite missing 17 games, finished the season with 17 goals, 43 assists for a total of 60 points in 65 games. 36 years old now, so his days of topping 90 points, definitely behind him. But that heavy shot volume, the gaudy assist totals, they're still there, and they still make him a safe bet to produce around a 70-point pace this season. Uh, don't count on him to give you anything more than 20 goals. 
because even when you know his shot volume was even more elite than it's currently at, he was never a guy to convert uh, an above average rate on his chances. But still shooting the puck around two and a half times a game should help his 15 to 20 goal floor remain intact. Nothing to get excited about there, but it's enough to justify rostering him in all formats given that elite assist production. There's some concern. Uh, that the change in the leadership role could also mean a reduction in ice time. That, of course, wouldn't be the most surprising thing. Uh, but I think you're taking zero risk at his draft price right now. It's literally 162, <laughs> 167, sorry. Yes. So, um, and yeah, so even if you do take him with your last or second last pick and they come out playing him on the third line or he's playing 15, 16 well, we said he was with night. He was with Dubois and Perfetti today, yeah. so that's positive sign. It's where he's been the last couple We're of looking years, at right? names like Alex Tuck. Yeah, the big thing with the Jets there. is they've always had a pretty sharp disparity in, in there, the way they you know dole out that ice time with the top six, bottom six, especially with the bottom line. The fourth line doesn't see a ton of ice. So if that continues, um, then you feel fine about him playing on the second line because that's where he did his damage last year. It's where mm-hmm. he's done his damage the last couple of years. So... Um, but yeah, like I said, at his draft price, if it doesn't work out, if he's getting dropped down the lineup, uh, or even if that second line is seeing less ice than we expect, he's an easy person to cut bait with, like I said. Uh, but still, one of the best playmakers on their team, if if not the best. And uh, the power play should still be pretty productive this season out in Winnipeg. And I just think it's a great way to really round out your roster at a very thin position at the back end of the draft. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think we've fallen too far the other way with Wheeler here. He's not the guy he 14th used to be, round. Yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's like, he shouldn't be a bottom of the roster guy. In redraft leagues. And, and if he does anything like he does in the second half last year, he had 30, in the last 38 games, he had 40 points Yeah, uh, over a point per game. He had a hundred shots during that time. As you mentioned, you know, you're not going to get a ton of goals out of him, but if he's, if he's giving you almost three shots per game, we're loving to see that. Cause that's just bonus. Cause right. we only expect these assists. Um, I, I agree. I think he makes a great bottom roster guy. I think that Winnipeg's a team when, you know, the right things are clicking, we could see better than we saw last year. Um, and as Brock mentioned a few times, Perfetti's on that line. Perfetti was drafted in the top, I believe seven. Um, and he's brought in to be a goal scorer. He is, he has been a goal scorer at every level he's been at. When you add in a guy like Wheeler who can dish the puck, good things are bound to happen. Um, I love, I love Wheeler at the end here. I really hope I can grab him bottom of my drafts. Um, as we mentioned, and we've mentioned throughout, you know, wingers are not the strongest. So if you can, if you can get Blake Wheeler at the end and uh, make up for maybe grabbing someone who's a little goal heavier at the beginning of the draft, then you can uh, you can you can leverage things out pretty well on your team. Um, and I like him there. Yeah, I, I think that Pierre Luc Dubois is still very very good. Yeah. Um, I think that Cole Perfetti is very promising. So yeah, this should work out yeah. well. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up their numbers together. Last year, he scored. Dubois and uh, and Pierre and Blake Wheeler together were were very strong. Um, 3.26 expected goals four per 60, 36.9 scoring chances four per 60. Uh, very very good numbers. I'm assuming a lot of that was coming with Nick Ehlers as well or Kyle Connor, uh, mostly Kyle Connor. So I'd imagine that'll take a bit of a hit um, if if Con- you know, Connor isn't there. But you got to remember, like you know, if it doesn't get off to a good start with with Connor Ehlers and Shifley, then it'll be right back to Connor Dubois and Wheeler. And uh, yeah, they were ridiculous together last year. Even without Kyle Connor, they were uh, quite good. Uh, 3.37 expected goals, 4 per 60, 38 scoring chances. They were actually better somehow. <laughs> so, uh, and that's in 100 minutes versus 144 with Kyle Connor. So yeah. it's pretty much uh, identical sample size there. Uh, my sleeper is Tyler Toffoli. And this, you know, I wrote an article the other day, some sleepers based on Yahoo ADPs. Uh, Tyler Toffoli was one of those guys. Uh, after a midseason trade to Calgary last year, he scored 11 goals with 12 assists for 23 points in 37 games. Modest results, to be sure, but he was limited to just 15 minutes and 5 seconds per game. 
Last season, Matthew Kachuk played 17:54 on that top line next to Gaudreau and uh, Elias Lindholm, which is where Tyler Toffoli skated in day one of training camp today. Uh, so there's certainly room for Toffoli's role to grow significantly. Throughout his, his career, he has been a pretty consistent, albeit unspectacular, uh, producer, usually around 25 goals, 25 assists every single year. Very consistent, but again, we've never really seen that high-end production out of him, but he's also never played with Jonathan Huberdo. So uh, spot next to Huberdo, Obviously, one of the league's most premier playmakers and Elias Lindholm, who was terrific last year, I think could unlock to Foley a little bit. And right now, similar to Blake Wheeler, he's going 165th overall. So he's just an, an easy dart throw for me in the fourth round, 14th round, excuse me, because you can, you know, you can just drop him if he gets bumped off that top line and not have to worry. You you owe him nothing in the 14th round. But getting him playing with Lindholm and Huberto is certainly uh, makes him very, very viable this season. Uh, the only concern for me is, is is if your draft is soon, you're going to have to probably jump on that ADP because uh, I would imagine once the word is out that he's most likely going to play with Huberto and Lindholm to start the season, that ADP is going to rise. Uh, quickly, I just want to mention one other guy here. Uh, David Perron's interesting to me as well, around 150. Uh, he's a guy who's been very consistent throughout his career, 73 points per 82 games over the last four seasons since leaving Vegas and returning to St. Louis. Uh, over that time, he's 24th in the NHL in power play points. He's averaged close to 200 shots per game as well. He's just a f- category uh, stuffer in fantasy. So um, the only concerns for me, obviously, are that you know perhaps the Red Wings power play is not as potent as what it was in St. Louis, and maybe that power play production will dip and his production overall will dip. But you know, that's a power play that should be pretty good. You've got Larkin, you've got Raymond, you've got Verona, you've got Cider, you got Perron. I would imagine Perron's inclusion in this power play will, will only help yeah. make it a little bit better. So he's interesting to me at 150. There's not a whole lot of depth at right wing, and he's a guy that should be would pretty... Would you rather have Perron or Terry, though? 150 Perron, 143 Terry. Because I'm going to take Troy 800 times. Yeah, I, I would take Terry just because. I think the goal scoring upside is yeah, certainly yeah, better. Yeah, um, that's all. Uh, I, I would. I like Perron. I, and right. I like yeah. Tafoli too because Tafoli just feels like a guy that we're going to be talking about. <sighs> People are going to sleep on him. So or hard. that we would be talking about like first week of the season as, as you know picking up because he's playing on that top line. So you might as well just get out ahead of it right now because yeah. it seems like that's where it's headed. Yeah. And Tavoli, I mean, he's, he's always been that guy. Like you kind of said, it's just like we're kind of just waiting for give him more than 17 minutes of ice. He's flirted with 25 goals. What are we Every looking year. at? Seven he had, times he had, now he in his one thirty goal year. Yeah, um, he had a, he had he had a, a twenty eight goal yeah. year. He had twenty eight goals in fifty two games Crazy. in two thousand twenty one. Yeah. So never surpassed sixty points either, which is wild. I think we're gonna see both if he stays up there. Um, yeah, and he had uh, the year after COVID, so yeah. the COVID shortened yeah. return year um, was really that was the career high in ice time for him. Seventeen minutes thirty one seconds. He scored twenty eight goals in fifty two games with the Habs. So yeah, you feel good and about at least you know giving him a look if he's getting that extended run on the top line and like we said it's a guy that we'd probably be talking about as a pickup within the first few weeks of season. yeah just get out in front of it and you can drop him very exactly. easily if he ends up playing with michael backland like yes yeah. it's an easy you can make that move away from him no problem but uh beebs we'll go back to you who you bust so d mentioned it before um and i'm glad he did we're not necessarily saying do not draft these guys it's just do not necessarily draft them where they are being taken my bust is claude Giroux in ottawa I love Claude Giroux, what's happened to him. I love the team he's gone to, but Claude Giroux is currently being taken at an ADP of 55.9 leagues. For those of you at home, um, fifth, sixth round, depends on if you're 10 or 12. That's incredibly early. Um, As mentioned, 
things in Ottawa are looking great for for Claude. Yeah, he's fresh off his highest point production in four years. Um, all he got, though, was 65 points. So we're talking about a guy who's going around technically 100-point players, starting goaltenders, 60, 65-point defensemen. I just can't do that as a uh, as a forward coming off the board. The longtime Flyers captain last year uh, collected 43 points in 54 games before being shipped off to Florida. He had a very successful time in Florida with 31 points in 28 games. Um, as mentioned, though, as we talked about in Florida, there was Huberto, there was Barkov. He does not have that now. Out in Ottawa, it is much like Debrinkat, where we're saying he has no cane, goes out to Ottawa. Pretty much the same thing. Uh, at 34 years old, Claude Giroux isn't getting any younger. He's not getting any better, unfortunately. Claude, I'm sorry. I love you. But um, he is not. And this is a guy, if he wouldn't have been traded to the Senators, would have stayed on Philly. He might have been going potentially 150, 160. He'd be drafted behind He'd, David Perron. Yeah, not even getting drafted. Ottawa's top six could kind of go anywhere this year. We don't really know. They do have six really strong players. And that's kind of where I'm scared of this guy. If I'm picking someone at 56, I want someone who is guaranteed that top line, top power play, and is going to flirt with 100 points. I just don't see Claude Giroux flirting with 100 points. If he were to, for some reason, flirt with 100 points, he's still realistically only going to give me 30, 35 goals. And I think that there are just so many, so many more safe plays there. Some other names that are going around him are Kevin Fiala, who we talked about in our top um, in our top eight. We have uh, Nylander, who D also had as his, in his top eight. We had in our top 10. We have Reinhardt, we have Line A, we have Rust, we have Bratt, we have Terry. And these are just right wingers that I'm talking about going in the same, um, going after him at the same time. I even had your boy Raymond there, Brock. These are all guys that I would rather, um, maybe not rather own, but are right there with Giroux for me. But especially Fiala, Nylander, Reinhardt, if you could take those names. Um, they're just much safer bets, going to score the goals, going to get the points. Love you, Claude. At 34 years old, though, one of these things is not like the other. Um, granted, you know, if you're in a draft where people see through this and you can get Claude around the 100 mark, I wouldn't mind it. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. He, I love you know, I think 56 I, is hard. I think Claude's going to be great this year. I do too. But do you think he's 56 overall? No, that, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, so you, we always talk about like, this is average draft position. So maybe he's going 35 in some leagues because people are like, oh, it's Claude Giroux. He's still really, <laughs> really good. Hilarious. But then that also means that maybe he's going like 85 in leagues, which at that point, it's a little bit easier to digest. But uh, yeah, right here at... I still don't want him at 85, though. I don't at think. 55, it's it's pretty early. If we're uh, talking about some of the names, like we, we said there's a top 15 in the top 90 yeah. ADP for right winger. So I don't even think I want him there. I'd probably be like a good 70 picks later before I'm in on him. Because yeah. like he never scored a lot yeah, never. in his day. Yeah. And with you all know, the like ice. he needed 60 assists to really be in that elite level of fantasy production. Um, and I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to that. Like, no. I think he'll be fortunate to get to 50 assists. And I think he's going to top out at 20 goals tops. Like he, that great stretch he had with the Panthers, he had three goals in 18 games. So he's not going to score he a lot of goals. 5.9%, he's going to yeah. shoot less. Yeah. But his career shooting percentage is 11%. You know what I mean? Like, it's not great. Super average. Um, and doesn't shoot for a, I mean, he does shoot for a decent volume, um, for, <laughs> I, I, I guess, for a 20 but, goal score. Yeah, 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 exactly. The shooting percentage has never been there. Like the highest he'd ever maintained. He had one year at 17, uh, and that's the year he had 34 goals, never top 30 goals in any other year, nor did he top a 13% shooting percentage. So yeah, the goals just aren't going to be there. Would certainly not expect that to come back to him now that he's playing online, especially with, you know, a shoot first guy like the Brinkhead, if that's where he sticks. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play as much as he was playing last year. Like, I don't think he's going to get 19 minutes a game. Um, he certainly could. It, it could work out that way. But I just think you're making so many assumptions to even be drafting him like 
like you guys are yeah. saying, like 85th overall. Because like then I think like you know he needs to get 50 assists to justify that because mm-hmm. he's just not going to score the goals. Best case cod to get 55th like that's just kind of laughable to me. Like there's just I don't know he'd have to get like probably it's 65, early. 70 assists and to justify taking him that early. When first looking at these, I like actually skipped over his name because it was so like incredible that it was there. Yeah, it was like oh crap. Like, like wow. I, like him and Blake Wheeler are probably going to end up with pretty similar stat lines at the end yeah. of the year, and he's going 110 picks in front of him. To be fair, there are a lot of minutes up for grabs in Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, Connor Brown played over, but 20 it's not minutes. getting better. You know what I mean? It's like best case. He's no, no, still no I'm just, I just don't minutes. think. I, I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to go down. Right? Yeah. Like Connor Brown played over 20 minutes a night. Nick Paul played 17 and a half minutes a night last year. They're both not there anymore. Yeah. So. And I, it's a nice situation, but it's closer to what he had in Philly the last few years than what he had in Florida for those 20 I games. I think it's a little bit better. Like, he never played with an Alex to bring cat. Tim Stutzel, if he's really good. Like, how I many think, 34-year-olds are look, having career look, years? I'm not disagreeing. Played with Couture, played with Konechny, played with 30-goal JVR. Like, he's played with some good, not quite maybe at the bring cat's yeah, caliber, but he's played with some really good goals. I think it's the best line mates he's had in a, in a little bit, for sure. Yeah. But... Besides, besides the Florida State. Yeah, but again, I, like I said, I don't think it's that much better than what Philly's had in their top line. And I don't disagree, really like, his prime, too. His yeah. ADP is outrageous. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, he is a, he is a bust candidate. I know. And it sucks be because this was a guy that, I mean, I took him at the end of drafts last year. I thought year, you could sleep him this and year. And he was pretty good. But again, this was a guy that I was ready to drop before he got traded to Florida, right? We were saying, telling people to hold on to him, and depending on where he hope ended up. Hope he gets traded. Hope he gets traded. Hope he gets traded to Florida. Yeah, basically the all amount of saying. trades from D that I took last year that were just Giroux packaged with something. Boom. And it was all because Usually he was Giroux potentially was going to Colorado. So that was why. Yeah. So you never know. But um, yeah. Sorry, Claude. 56. Way too high, bro. Who's your busty? Mark Stone. Uh, the O2 that just stick out at uh, you. Yeah. He, um, Guys didn't leave me much to pick from. 47.6 Mark Stone's ADP. Oh, boy. This one's pretty simple. There are some pretty obvious risks. Risks? Risks. In, uh, in taking Stone with nice. a late third round, early fourth round pick, which is what he is right now. He had just 30 points in 37 games last season. Hasn't played more than 70 games since 2018-19. And to me, the reward doesn't even come close to justifying that risk. I think if he can stay healthy, I think he can definitely have a bounce back season playing on that top line with Eichel. Having said that, he was on the second line today. Um, So still another knock there, I guess. But uh, he's a guy with a career high of 73 points. He's only topped that 70 point mark once. And his production is very assist heavy at that. So you're investing a late third round pick uh, on a very injury prone player praying that he stays healthy enough to give you 30 goals and 45 assists. It just doesn't make sense to me. doesn't have anywhere near the upside. I'd like to have that in a third round selection. And the risk is obviously massive. He needs to have a career year to return value at that ADP. So it's hard to imagine him even being healthy enough for that to be a possibility. So, so far out on Mark Stone this year, I think he returns a stat line, probably similar to Giroux and Wheeler by year's end. And again, going a good 10 rounds before Blake Wheeler. Um, so yeah, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. He's missed twenty five percent of the games over the last three years. Yeah, Ooh. and like um, like I said, put that aside. Like if he had played eighty games the last two years oh, at yeah. his production rates, I wouldn't be taking him here. So yeah. it may it, there's there's no sense to this one at all. Uh, I think the like this is just clearly just name yeah. uh, value because like it's not like like we see other names up there and we're like okay like this doesn't make a lot of sense but he's up there because of banger leagues right this man doesn't even hit yeah no he had 19 hits last year 
He had 31 hits the year before. How are you that big and you only hit 19 <laughs> times? You can hey, just run hey, in. Hey, hey, don't dudes. you don't question Mark Stone's ability. He's a selky finalist. He does every pick year. off every stick that's ever been and through we, the neutral. We always ever. we always talked about how he's too like he's a much better hockey player than he is. Yeah, a he's, he's Bergeron. Right? Like, ask any scout or NHL coach, and at least a couple years ago, they would have told you he's one of the best five or ten players in the league. Right? So still might make Canada if we go to the Olympics. Yeah, but oh, he you know. will. For yeah. for sure, for yeah. his own reason, because he's an ideal guy to have yeah. the bottom in a in a bottom play, six play role four, on those sort of teams. Play right? on my fourth line, Mark. exactly. But, but yeah, uh, he, like forty seven point six is is yeah. it's so bad, it's tough. It's so bad. And again, we just brought it up. I mean, that's average. He's going earlier than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is insane. And like, yeah, like the, his his upside is like not even a point per game. No, like. <laughs> And if it is, it's like I said, it's thirty goals and fifty assists. I'm picturing those leagues where he's going ahead, where he's going like twenty fourth. The guy like in the chat, like oh, I got one here, boys. Dude, Mark, like literally, Stone, like 24th. his value is like comparable to like David Perron's, <laughs> and like Perron's yeah. going like one. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With that. Yeah, you should like, go a few rounds a before better, Perron, but, but yeah. yeah, yeah, but like it's not, it's not significantly better no. at all. Yeah. I think people are also banking on the fact that. Vegas has just been good forever. Um, Vegas is not going to be great this year. I think a lot of people just think he's going to play with Jack Eichel, and Jack Eichel is going to be like a 115-point player. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like he was with Chandler Stevenson if you get today, <laughs> which is going to be like, honestly, that's probably going to be the case. Yeah. He's a defensive center. They're going to be the tough team, the line, the line that they're, is going to be difficult to play against. I mean, that might not be true because they've got William Carlson with Mike Amadio on the third line, so maybe that's more of their shutdown. But like Excellent. Stevenson and Stone together seems like a thing, and then Kessel and... Kessel and uh, Eichel together seems like a thing. So it's uh, it's interesting. I I guess like maybe, maybe we're sleeping on Phil Kessel. I was just going to say that. I think maybe we should probably mention him. He's a right winger. Uh, He's actually skating on the left side today, which is crazy. We haven't seen him skating on the left side maybe ever. Um, But yeah, Kessel with Eichel, I think is another guy that you can just a dart throw. I mean, like even when he was playing in Arizona and they were just horrendous. Uh, he still put up decent numbers. Like the goal totals certainly weren't there, but 44 apples last year on like the worst team in hockey while playing under 17 minutes a yeah. night. It's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, I, I I think he's a he's like you said he's worth the dart throw for sure. I think we've been waiting for him to get out of Arizona after those last couple three of years. years. Yeah, playing with playing with Ico could be very very beneficial. A lot of shots coming from those two. Yeah, to be sure. Uh, my bust is. None other than I actually don't remember who it is. Oh, Matt Duchesne. Yeah, I was like, huh? <laughs> Took me a minute. Matt Duchesne, ADP of 76.2. Uh, it was actually really refreshing to see Matt Duchesne have a big year last year because he was basically like just written off uh, completely. He had 13 points in 34 games the season prior. Um, and then just absolutely exploded for 43 goals, 43 assists, 86 points in 78 games That's last wild. year. It was insane. Uh, shot volume was at an all-time high. 228 shots was great. But he shot 18.9%. He's a career 13.2 shooter. So even at that current, uh, even at that shot volume, he really was only closer to a 30-goal uh, score as opposed to a 40-goal score. Sure. So... Uh, yeah, like I, you know, could he still theoretically score 30 goals this year? Sure. Um, his on ice shooting percentage was abnormally high as well. It was 14.3 up there at the highest in the league. So his assist totals are sure to come down closer to 30. So yeah, I, I think that he's a, he's a probably a decent bet for 30 goals, 30 assists this season. 
Um, I think he'll probably still play a pretty significant role. That was the real interesting thing about Duchesne last year. He went from 15 minutes, almost 16 minutes his first year with or second year with the Predators to 19 minutes last night. So I think there's definitely a chance that he plays 19 minutes with Philip Forsberg and Mikel Granlin or Ryan Johansson, whoever it is. But I still don't think that that's a team that's going to score a ton of goals on a nightly basis. Like sure they did last year. Like, and, and Roman Yossi was a freak and, Forsberg had the best year of his career. Like it yeah. all just kind of worked at the same time. It was kind of best case scenario. So Forsberg uh, also shot 18%. Yep. Yeah. That ex- helps. Exactly. And you, so when you look at the ADPs uh, and you've got uh, Duchesne at 76, I mean, Patrick Line at 82 to me is, is a much better selection. Um, even if you go across the aisle to the centers, you've got Jack Hughes, Josh Norris in that, in that area. Uh, on D, Rasmus Dahlin is somebody I think is going to be really solid this year. It, it, take a look at the goalies. That's when D, Biebs, we were talking about all those goalies that we're interested in are going in that spot. Connor Hellebuck at 74 is somebody that I would certainly be looking at yeah. before taking It's like a good shape. 30 picks too early yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Line A, just looking at right wings. Line A, Batherson, Pavelski, Rust, all guys I'd rather have Yeah. Um, before him. Maybe potentially Brat going down a little bit further. Kairou. I'm worried. Yeah. Like If you get anything like he gave I might you take in him before Kairou, seven but... years, then you're getting 59, 55 points. Yeah. And if I just... you get that at 76, that's terrible. Well, like, like Brat said, we had that team, whatever they bottled last year, like they got it. Hopefully they got more of it because yeah, everyone just had if a career year. Michael secret stuff. Yeah. They, yeah, they exactly. better have more of Cause it. Cause like bottles, bottles, bar and it wasn't just career years, but everyone had like the most fortunate shooting percentage year of their career. Like we said, that whole line is, I think is due for some pretty serious regression. I think we see Forsberg uh, still a very good player, but I think we be- see him back more to like the 30, 35 goal and assist point yeah. pace that we're used to seeing out of him. And obviously that'll have its effect on Duchesne as well. Don't expect Yossi to be as otherworldly as he was last year. Well, you don't expect 96 from Yossi? Honestly, yeah. I'm expecting <laughs> all of these guys to get a good 15, 20 points less than they got last year. Well, so. All it takes is Yossi getting 10 less points, and I think that just funnels straight yeah. down. Yeah. But uh, honestly, like it's not like the worst one, and obviously that's why he was the third bust off the board, yeah, right? Yeah, and you yeah, said certainly. you'd rather Stoner, Giroux. But yeah, for, for me, like I said, it's still a good three rounds too early with where he's going. Just to... Uh... Like even the first like half of the year last year, I don't know. He was pretty good. He was just good all year. I thought he just got like outrageously hot in the middle of the year, which he definitely did. Like he was hotter in the middle of the year than he was right, like right, towards right. the start of sure, the end. Sure, but sure, sure. he went on a ridiculous stretch. But uh, Biebs, all right, these are guys we didn't think are going to have good years or or not live up to these ADP expectations at the very least. Who's somebody that's going to just break out, blow their ADP out of the water? Yeah. So if I'm busting on one senator, I'm going to break out with another senator. That's just how it's getting done. Um, not actually. It's the first time I've ever done this, but it, uh, it allows me to make some really nice points here. Drake Batherson out in Ottawa. He is my breakout guy. Um, before missing two months last year with an ankle injury, Batherson was on fire out of the gate with 34 points through his first 31 games. Uh, and it was kind of spread out nicely. It wasn't heavy assist production, heavy goal production. It's 13 goals and 21 assists through those 31 games. Um, that early production led to a career high season 27 points or sorry 27 assists 44 total points while playing uh 10 fewer games in the season before that was almost that was good for a 0.98 point per game so that's just under one point per game for batherson last year and if we're talking about breaking out we've mentioned the the roster and and, and, the, and the, the the cast around claude Giroux. um who else to get a little bit of help than that drake batherson um this is someone who should find himself on that top power play he 
has proven that with that top line with uh, with Josh Norris and uh, is it Brady TK the yep. third piece there? Yep. That line is there. That's the future of Ottawa. Um, for Batherson, for me, it's just the health thing. If we can get 82 full games out of him, I think he can really take that next step. Right now, he's got 30 goal, 40 assist potential. Um, and if he does hit that, and he does get even to 80 points, um, which he proved he could do with his point per game production last year, then we could definitely see um, Batherson, you know, break out. At this point, tr- being drafted 85.3, I do think that's completely fair. Uh, could even go a little bit higher. But um, I do think that is a fair spot. But at the same time, if we're looking at glaring names that could take that next step forward, I think this is one of the more obvious guys in the league. Um, I I would personally draft Batherson before I take Claude Giroux, and he's going thirty three spots later. I know Brock feels different. Um, no, they're 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 very close for me. Yeah, and for me, it's just the upside and the idea of him breaking out and that goal potential. Um, Batherson for me, I thought I was so excited last year being an owner. I thought I thought at the end of the year I was gonna have a hundred another hundred point guy um, before that injury. Unfortunately, when he did come back, it did help his or hurt his overall numbers. Clearly, wasn't healthy when he returned. Give me a full season of healthy Drake and uh, and a healthy Drake and Josh on the top line and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna love it. Yeah, Let's he see. he was yeah. pretty consistent throughout the year. I mean, their power play was very good. Getting uh, getting. Giroux getting to bring out of the mix should help the power play as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that the issue for Batherson for me is just he just doesn't shoot quite yeah. enough. He, his shot volume was solid. That's but he what shot, I'll take the breakout is the shots. But That's... he shot 50% each of the last two years already. So I don't know like how much room for growth there is other than just shooting a yeah. lot more. Um, but yeah, like I think that there's really no reason why he can't be a 30 goal, 40 assist player this season which is a which is a breakout for me for sure obviously coming from 44 points a year ago in a injury plague season but just finally getting it putting it all together and getting to 70 points would represent a breakout for me the only issue really is that he is just maybe going a little bit too early it seems like you're kind of just banking on him getting into 70 points yeah. at that adp so which isn't great yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. it's a tough ADP. Like I, I love Batherson, but again, it's somebody I no. wish was going a little bit later. Oh, absolutely. Like everybody else just seems to be kind of like yeah. interested in the same no. thing. Well, happening. breakout players you want to yeah, get out of value because yeah. yeah. we haven't seen that production yet, right? And yeah. but um, I mean, forty-four yeah. points in forty-six games, obviously. I, yeah, I just showcase. think he's he's got to shoot more to return great value at the eighty-five overall. Yeah. But I totally yeah. agree that I think he's going to break out this year, and and at least in terms of like a mainstream level too, and just kind of be recognized for. For what he is, which is a very good hockey player, but yeah, the, vo- the volume's an interesting thing because like his shots per sixty actually decreased last year because he saw like a <laughs> just three minute increase yeah. in ice time, but the shot volume didn't really rise all that much. So, but he's a young guy, so yeah. it's certainly a guy that you could see shoot more year over year. Um, and I think if he was closer to two and a half or three shots this year, it would go a long way, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, that's why he's like one of those easy breakout—not easy, but easier breakouts to call. These guys who have that potential to shoot more, play more ice time—it just yeah. kind of falls hand in hand. Yeah. He uh, he's actually kind of a sneaky banger league target too, and yep. I, I would imagine that's probably what's driving his ADP a little bit. Um, he, he's a sneaky like hundred hundred and twenty-five hits, maybe. Like he actually jumps. I have him projected for. 151 hits. So that's pretty impressive for a guy with his offensive acumen. And he actually jumps 20 spots in my skater rankings when you add hits into the mix. So sneaky, like he doesn't, not somebody you would think is going to just go out there and bang the bot every night. But 
Uh, yeah, 150 hits would be uh, a, a nice number for somebody that could potentially be a 70-point player as well. How are there even bodies to hit after him and Brady TK are running everyone over? Yeah, like, it's, true. Just, it's true. Yeah. How, how, does that That's my only concern, too. Like, how is he going to get to raise his shot volume? Because yeah. every time he dishes it, Brady's firing it. <laughs> he's like, I got to get to 300 and 300. And then they're running to hit the guy who picks up yeah. the puck. Both of them. You could try to deflect the shots. Yes, there you go. Just miss the net and then running people over. Yeah. That's all or just look for rebounds. Yeah. But uh, who's your uh, breakout? Angel hit style. Uh, I'll go with the obvious one. Ooh. We'll talk about Do Lucas it. Raymond. Um, I, like I said, I think he's the most obvious breakout candidate at the right wing position. Uh, maintained fantasy relevance all year, which is a huge accomplishment in itself for an 18-year-old in the NHL. Very promising totals and underlying numbers as an 18-year-old rookie. 184 shots on goal. Uh, very modest 12.4 shooting percentage and 10.2 on ice shooting percentage, creating a ton of chances at 5v5 uh, and averaging an 11% Corsi 4 rating, uh, relative Corsi 4, excuse me, while playing some high event hockey. So you love to see it because there's no red flags at all in those numbers. I think we can consider the 23 goals, 34 assists season he had last year as his floor because we certainly expect him still to command big minutes and, and a pretty large role on that team. And he's definitely at that age, you know, just 19 years old, where we see guys take massive steps forward in their development. Um, and one of the biggest signs of that early on will be the shot volume. So just keep an eye on that across the first few weeks of the season. Typically, when you see a guy, you know, shooting, you know, two, two and a half times a game like he did last year, definitely not uncommon to see those guys take a step forward, push three shots a game or even further and kind of turn into those elite shot volume guys. They typically don't come in right off the gate, especially when they're this young. Um, showing you what they're going to be at in terms of their volume year over year. So there's a lot of room and a lot of uh, upside, a lot of hope. And certainly if you look at some comparables over the years, like I said, to put up those sort of numbers as an 18-year-old with no red flags in the underlying numbers, it's a really good sign. Um, But yeah, just watch that shot volume early on because that's going to be really um, the biggest tell if he's, uh, you know, still around two shots a game, then we might be looking at somewhat of a repeat of last season. So if you're in 10 team leagues and maybe that's not worth holding on to, but if he's able to get up anywhere near or north of three shots a game, uh, he could be in for a massive year. So that's going to be the big tell early on. And we'll certainly keep an eye on it for you guys. But yeah, just watch the shot volume early on. Zero risk at the current ADP of a 147 and a half. That's and crazy. Potential to just be a huge steal there. I don't really understand like some of these guys that just skyrocket up the draft boards. Like even just Drake Batherson, yeah. for instance. Like why is Drake Batherson going 80 spots Good ahead of of Lucas Raymond? Like they're the same profile right now, mm-hmm. like almost identical. Um, and yeah, like I think they're both probably going to break out this year, but like one's going 80 spots ahead of the other, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I mean, one's 19 and the other one's 24. So again, you you almost assume that Raymond's numbers are going to improve this year, right? It does happen every once in a while, but like, you know, whenever we see a a slightly promising season from these top top picks as an 18-year-old, they almost always build. Look at McKinnon, right? Look, Look at what McKinnon did. His first couple of years. Look at essentially everybody, right? No, yeah. No so, one, no one falls off after their eighteen-year-old season. Whereas Batherson, you know, who knows? You didn't Benjamin even do it over your career. Years. Again, I like Batherson, but that ADP and like Brock said, it's it's weird. Oh, I would also rather have Raymond. Yeah. In the last uh, five yeah. years, top ten picks have seen their points per game jump about one point one six uh, points from year one to year two. So that would represent a points per game, you mean? Yeah, like points per game, 0.16 points per game higher in year two than year one. That would represent about a 70 point campaign um, for Raymond. And that's kind of just the bare minimum. That's Imagine the average. 70 of the- points at 140. Yeah. yeah. That's 
awesome. And like you said, that's the average. And like, so right now I have him projected for 62 points kind of right around last year, but it's hard to really expect him. Like if he shoots more, it's going to be way, way better. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of if he actually gets there right now, he's open camp with Larkin and Bertuzzi right where he was last year. Love I think the big thing for, for Raymond and a lot of these Red Wings is, you know, bringing in guys like Perron um, to help that power play. Yeah. And if that power play just improves, like they were 26th in the league last year, if that power play gets to 15th, 16th, middle of the pack, and you're tacking on a couple power play points each per, you know, for each one of yeah. these guys. He just had 18 last year, right? Yeah, nothing crazy. Yeah. Like even only five power play goals. Like there's a there's a lot of room for growth yeah. here. And they're already a very good 5v5 line. And like we said, Outstanding, just yeah. kind of expect that to, if anything, get better this year. So it's uh yeah it's it's a head scratcher for sure he's actually 20 now so my yeah. mistake you should have seen brock's face the whole time you're talking he's yeah back, leaning back drooling just glowing yeah uh but my breakout i'm sure no one is surprised i've talked about him i think on every positional preview episode so far and he hasn't belonged in any of them except for this one uh seth jarvis of the carolina <laughs> hurricanes whose adp at the moment is considerably low 169.5 so um yeah nobody's really expecting much from seth jarvis but he opened camp the same way he finished last season on a line with sebastian aho and two vote tara vinen doesn't get much better than that he put together a terrific rookie campaign scoring 17 goals with 40 points in 68 games um but yeah like he didn't really earn much praise from the hockey writers 13th in calder voting i mean there was a good crop of rookies last year obviously but uh fancy owners clearly not paying much attention either ADP of 169. So he's going in the final two rounds of the drafts at the moment. I don't know if there's that many players with as big of breakout potential as Jarvis. Didn't carve out a significant role until the midway point of last season when he found himself, like I said, on Aho's wing. And he finished the season with 21 points, 9 goals, 12 assists in his last 24 games and added 8 points in 14 playoff games. Um, If you extrapolate those numbers over an 82-game season, Jarvis would have finished with 26 goals, 37 assists, 63 points. So, uh, again, a guy that we can reasonably expect to be around the 60-70 to point mark, a guy that's playing on a top line. I don't know if you guys are noticing a trend here, but very young players playing on very good top five lines. Pretty wild. Top top lines at 5v5. Also seeing uh, ample power play time as well. So yeah, like I think all three of these guys are terrific picks. Uh, they're going so late. Like you could reasonably add Lucas Raymond and Jarvis to your lineup at the very end of the draft. Yeah. And if um, one doesn't work out, you could go grab it, the top. Uh, and if they both break out, it's just like you're you're just absolutely laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I th- honestly, I think like worst case for Seth Jarvis um, is like Michael Bunting, right? Because yeah. if he doesn't see the power play time to go along with it. Um, and it's maybe, you know, only seen about 15 or 60 minutes a night while playing on that top line. What we've seen from his assist production and, you know, um, his conversion rate, even though it was only one season, it's encouraging enough to where, like I said, like just playing with those guys, you can kind of hope that he gets to the Michael Bunting totals, maybe around 20 or 40 exactly kind of in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly a guy, you know, with his pedigree being a 13th overall pick being just 20 years old, um, just like Raymond, right? A guy that, you know, you would expect his underlying numbers to take a pretty big step forward this year. So, um, yeah, I think if he stays on that top line all year, we got about like a 20 and 40 floor. Um, yeah. so you it's feel, nice floor. you feel good about that. If the shot volume improves, um, it's like a marble, floor. you feel really, really good about it. So yeah, I think there's upside for more than that, but yeah, I think he can get to 60 points just by staying on that line and, and not making really any major steps forward, which he obviously could take, uh, given his age. Uh, just a quick 
recap here of guys who are a little bit better in banger leagues. Uh, we, we, we vowed to talk about banger leagues a little bit more. Guys that uh, receive a pretty considerable boost. Obviously, Matthew Kachuk, somebody we mentioned. Timo Meyer as well. Timo Meyer is a guy that kind of projects out for about 150-ish hits each year. Uh, moving down the list here, Kevin Fiala is not really somebody that will do anything for you, but still grades out fairly well. Um, just trying to find some other names here off the top of my head. Not really a whole lot sticking out here. Not really too many right wingers other than maybe Drake Batherson is really the only one that kind of pops off the board a little bit. But other than that, not a whole lot of uh, right wingers banging the bod. No, they're, uh, these are finesse guys. Yeah. Let the lefties bang. Um, like there's, there's really nobody inside the top 100 that jumps off the board as a hitter. Let me know when you're done because I got just a couple more guys to shout out. Yeah, go ahead right now. I'll bang, keep searching. That are not banging related. Um, but just a couple other guys going at the very end of the draft that worth the flyer and worth mentioning. Um, can't believe Brock hasn't mentioned him yet, but Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah, well, I so basically my breakout was or my sleeper was Mangiapane or Tyler Toffoli, whichever one was going to play sure. in that role. I think both have both are really interesting because I'd rather both, it be Mangiapane, right? Like you feel I think better. He's about got his a higher upside. ceiling. Yeah. Um, but yep. yeah, whichever one ends up in that spot, I think I think it's almost worth drafting both of them because I think it's one of them is obviously going to yeah. be there. Early and on. like to see his shot volume uh, jump all the way up to 185 shots last year, and he was still able to shoot 18 percent career, 17 percent shooter. It's exciting. Like yeah, like I said, you, if he ended up on that top line, could be big things for Mangiapane. If not, going at the very end of drafts, ADP of 161. So you just kind of cast him aside um, if he's not kind of on that top line or even if his shooting percentage falls off a little bit. But, I mean, if he's still able to maintain that career shooting percentage of 17% and he gets on that top line, definitely 40-goal upside there going at the very end of drafts. Uh, just keep in mind, not going to be a lot of assists to go along with it. Uh, and then Tyler Sagan, I think just needs a mention here. Um, last year was not the return action that we were quite hoping for. It looks like he may have lost a step after the injury. Finished with just 49 points in 81 games. Still returned 24 goals. He's still shooting the puck a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think he's just worth a mention because I don't know how that top six is going to shake out. I could mm. see Pavelski playing less minutes. I could see maybe Sagan get a run on the top line. Won't be worse, though. Yeah, exactly. And, again, is a guy you can get at the very end of your draft. Last year did not look good, but maybe, you know, he's got a full year under him now, another offseason, and, and maybe he just, you know, um, looks a little bit more like himself pre-injury than, than what he's looked at now because he's still just 31 years old so he's not um so over the hill that you should just kind of take him out of your thoughts entirely i still think he's, he's a decent still gonna flyer. be in their top six yeah he's still and, gonna be yeah. on the top power play and you know what? there's a chance he ends up on your free agents within the, after a month if you know that really hasn't changed and he's still playing with ben and that second line's not doing anything at all but again like at 163 he's worth a flyer 100 uh okay a couple of rookies to talk about really quick jack Quinn in Buffalo mm-hmm. is uh, one of the top options, just 21 years old, had ridiculous numbers last year uh, at the AHL level. He was selected uh, number eight overall in 2020. He had 61 points in just 45 AHL games a season ago, That's 26 ridiculous. goals, 35 yeah, assists. Got called up to the NHL for a two-game stint, had a goal and an assist, so point-per-game player. <laughs> Three shots a game. Yeah, so... Lock Jack, this guy up. Yeah, Jack Quinn is, is definitely a, a dynasty target late in drafts. Um, you know, somebody that I think has sleeper potential could climb into that Sabres top six. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts outside the top six early on. Um, a couple other... Or one other name is Cole Perfetti. We've talked about him a little bit. ADP of 176.4. That's the just, one I like. Just for the record, Jack Quinn going undrafted at the moment. Um, Cole Perfetti, 176.4 to be in the top six most likely with the history says 
anyone playing in the top six with the Winnipeg Jets is fantasy relevant, yeah. even if it's Paul Stastny. And it's Cole Perfetti. Yeah, so and worst case, we'll probably be talking good... about him as a streaming target this year. Perfetti last year, 15 points in 17 AHL games during his stint with the um, with the Jets. He had seven points in 18 games. And then the only other guy I think that's worth mentioning, not really classified as a rookie, but uh, Vitelli off with the Rangers, who actually will still classify as a rookie, just 22 years old, only has 20 NHL games under his belt. Uh, he only had two goals, two assists, basically demanded a trade, didn't want to be in New York anymore because they weren't playing him enough, went back to the KHL, had 13 points in 19 games, added 10 points in 15 playoff games in the KHL playoffs. As I mentioned, he's opened camp on a line with Panarin and Trocek. Um, he's basically said, like, if you don't play me in the top six, don't play me at all, trade my ass. So you'd imagine that he'll play next to his... Russian teammate Artemi Panarin quite a bit early on, I uh, you would think, and that's how they're doing it in training camp. You'd think that that'd be a duo that would probably stick together. Um, and then also just to mention, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned Vincent Trocek as my sleeper, um, like how he was probably just going to seamlessly fit in as Ryan Strom. It looks like that's the case. But they also came out and said that he is going to fill Ryan Strom's position on the top power play. So that's worth noting as well. Um, just wanted to throw that little nugget in there. So Kraftsoff, I think, is very interesting as well. He's got a, a ton of offensive uh, skill, and he is currently being drafted probably not. nowhere. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah, being drafted no. at all either. So People can't spell um, Yeah, those name. are a couple guys that are just kind of worth monitoring at the very end of drafts with a little bit of breakout potential. So that is going to do it, unless you guys have anything else to add before we go. No. Uh, when this episode comes out tomorrow, Blue Stone's also releasing a new track, so go support the boys. Support the boys. I'm Brock Segan. we got Dylan D. Berthy, Michael Beach Bonnie. Thanks so much for tuning into the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. We'll see you guys back here for our final positional preview episode. We've got the D closing it up, both in the positional previews and the episode. Gave somebody all-you-can-eat wingers. Peace! to the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.